Under my tutelage, you will grow from boys into men, from men into gladiators, and from gladiators into Swansons. Behold! The Swanson Pyramid of Greatness. I've been developing the Swanson Pyramid of Greatness for years. It's a perfectly calibrated recipe for maximum personal achievement. Categories include teamwork, very important, equally important, selfishness, take what's yours, America, the only country that matters if you want to experience other cultures, use an atlas or a ham radio. Cursing, there's only one bad word. Gundam. Haircuts, there are three acceptable haircuts, high and tight, crew cut, buzz cut. Are the scissors broken in your house, son? This segment of Gundam at MAHQ is brought to you by GoDaddy.com. All right, everyone. Welcome back to Gundam at MAHQ. This is uh, episode 70, the um, early bird special, that's what we'll, we'll call it. But um, as always, I'm joined here with uh, Chris and Solbro. Chris, Solbro, say hello. Hey, everyone. Hey, everybody. Goodbye. <laughs> you can say goodbye, too. That's fine. But um, in this hey, episode, you say hello and I say goodbye. <laughs> Somebody must have downloaded the Beatles on iTunes. Um, <laughs> Not me. <laughs> but uh, in this episode, we'll be doing uh, two topics as normal. Uh, first one's going to be uh, the review of um, the Gundam Double O movie, Awakening of the Trailblazer. Um, trying to we'll, we'll in that segment, we'll try to figure out who is Awoken and who is the Trailblazer because. Um, <laughs> For a lot of people, it's very uh, it's very difficult to find, to see. So it's mysterious. We will definitely explore those topics within that segment. And um, the second one will be a listener submitted uh, topic, and that is from Jabman zero two five defender. Why we love Destiny so much? Yes. <laughs> no. Never. No. We will never do that topic, even if he submits it. <laughs> oh, jeez. And uh, he, he had submitted our favorite uh, dastardly characters or magnificent bastards or master manipulators, however way you want to phrase it. So um, we put in a few of ours, and I'm sure we missed a couple, so always uh, visit our forum uh, to discuss it when, once uh, the show is posted up there. So um, anything, guys, before I begin some exciting news? No? No. Nope. All right. Uh, first uh, here is uh, I just want to always thank you everybody for uh, submitting news of the Neos listeners submitted news articles thread on the Mecha Talk forum and the first one here comes from uh, Shinigami New Type and uh, this is some information about the Gundam 3D battle game for the Nintendo 3DS and Ooh, it's which be... you can never play in America yeah the 3DS is region locked oh so um, if, really if if you were yes able, really if you were able to play this or uh, you somehow get a Japanese version um, of the 3DS uh, and this has come on off of Mecha Damashi blog and this has uh, got some suits in there including um, Mobile Suit Gundam, Zeta Gundam, Shars Counterattack, um, and uh, the uh, game's going to be released in Japan on March 24th for about 60.90 yen. 
so 6,000 yen. So um, anyone that's in Japan or can read Japanese or whatever, you know, enjoy that and, you know, tell us about it. So, and uh, like Chris stated, unfortunately, this uh, 3D, this version of the, the 3DS is going to be region locked. So that stinks. Uh, next uh, article here is from the HOD, and, and this is more for uh, fun and uh, kind of the S's and giggles department. Uh, <laughs> there is an Argentina and Robotech fan film, and uh, the HOD puts a link on here. It's from the Robotech X uh, forums, and uh, the HOD's, the HOD's uh, comment here is, I think Harmony Goal is going to sue somebody, but to but to do that, you're going to have, have to have enough money to hire a lawyer, which I don't think the Harmony Goal probably has. And uh, if anybody should be sued, it should be Harmony Gold for Shadow Chronicles. <laughs> so, and I, I, right now I'm stating that I, I am ready to begin a class action lawsuit against them for crimes against humanity and crimes against animation. Um, crimes against animation. <laughs> for having me to watch that crap. Don't, so. don't you think you should sue uh, John O'Donnell for funding MD Geist 2 colon Death Force yeah, for he... crimes against animation? <laughs> He's next. He's next. So you got to start. You got to start first. You got. You got to start with a couple, and then um, you go on there. You start with the deep pockets, not with the guy who has a defunct company. Yeah. <laughs> not the guy working at Seven Eleven. So, um, but yes, some things about this fan short. Uh, it was. Um, it was a fully independent short using uh, a lot of their own resources. Uh, the producer of the film was Caesar Tortoro. And it's based on the 80s cartoon, and it's, um, you know, take a look at it, because I'm, I'm sure it's uh, kind of funny, because anything fan-produced is usually funny. So, uh, thank you. Mr. And crappy, I'll say it right now. <laughs> crappy, too. Thank you, Mr. The Hod, for your submission. Uh, next one here comes from Kosh, and this is uh, coming from the Anime News Network. <laughs> Some guy got he got in trouble for uh, recording double o, the 00 soundtrack on his cell phone. The Nidocon City uh, Central Police Station filed charges against a 42-year-old man who is allegedly recording the audio from um, the Mobile Suit 00 movie, Awakening of the Trailblazer. Once again, we'll tell you who the Trailblazer is and, and how he awoke later on in this episode because I know it's very difficult to understand. Um, <laughs> and, uh, you know, this is, this is a big no-no in the U.S. and even a bigger no-no in um, Japan. And uh, the suspect had allegedly recorded the soundtracks of two other films in the same theater uh, around November 4th. And, uh, yeah, but that means recording all of the audio, including the dialogue. What's the point of that? That's so stupid. I, ha I have no, yeah, I don't know. I really don't, man. Unless you wanted to make a, you know, ringtones or, or or you know audio, backup audio for for shot footage like a cam footage to like sync things up. That's the only two purposes I could think of. Well, he, but. He's yeah, but a cell phone is such a crappy medium for recording audio. Well, he, he's saying, saying here that he did it because he just wanted it for his own personal listening enjoyment. But yeah. it, you're right, though. How how enjoyable is to listen to dialogue and not see and and sound effects of like beam rifles and explosions while the music is playing that's dumb yeah it is really stupid but we never said that uh gundam fans in japan were smart i.e the guy burnt his house down so um burned down his mom's house or his mom's house yeah. great moments in otaku history <laughs> <laughs> so i uh, just want to thank uh kosh for her submission and uh, last one here is from jabman 025 oh. the defender of destiny and uh, this is coming from the Anime News Network also. It's not a very enthusiastic introduction. <laughs> I'm getting tired of them. 
Uh, <laughs> what? Tired of his participation. Stop oh. participating so much. Oh, man, don't say that. <laughs> Jeff is awesome. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm I'm just joking. Oh. It's called comedy. Well, there you go. Um, Macross Frontier Virtual Console uh, Concert is going to be held on the PSN home, and unfortunately, that's in Japan. And uh, yeah, but you can, as I have in the past, uh, just for shits and giggles, yeah. for wasting time, you can download the Japanese home and then go check it out. So yeah. and it's you just have to have a Japanese account. Yeah, which is very easy to set up. And uh, it's going to be virtual character versions of Cheryl and Ronka uh, in 3D, VA 3D graphics. And, um, you know, it's uh, the, the movie, the second film is going to open up in uh, February 26th of this year. So um, It'll be the only actual Macross concert I can actually attend yeah. <laughs> <laughs> on freaking PlayStation Home, That's which hilarious. is complete bollocks by the way yeah oh, man you, you bust out of the b word man well done yeah well done but uh i just i like believe it. the word bollocks is 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 not at all used enough in in america so i'm gonna start using it that and 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 bugger bugger <laughs> i've been using bollocks a bit myself lately usually in the written form but it feels so oh, good bollocks. when you say it bollocks <laughs> no. i just want to thank mr jabman 025 defender of destiny for his submission and for all those looking forward to uh, looking at that Macross concert and um, you know, go ahead and check it out. But um, that's it for the news, kind of light and um, you know, beginning of the year. So uh, definitely want to thank everybody again for their submissions. And if you find anything out there that you find that you want to kind of share with us, uh, just go to the Neo's Listener Submitted News Articles thread in the Mecha Talk forum. Uh, Chris. Um, now I'm going to put it over to you. Any straight talking? Because I know we'll have mailbag, but is there any straight talking for this uh, this you know, uh, episode? I, I did have one in mind, but my, my heart's not in it today because okay. it's such a ceaseless struggle against morons. So I'm just going to do it as a hit and run. Very simple. Um, stop complaining so far in advance about casting in comic book movies. The end. Thank you. Thank you. And I'm referring specifically to The Dark Knight Rises. Yeah, I mean, I, you know, I, I, then again, I, what are they, from what you have run into, who are they complaining about more? Uh, both, both actors and actresses or um, well, there's two, one or the other? Two complaints. Okay. One, the use of Bane as a villain at all, but that's right. coming usually from, I've noticed, morons who their conception of Bane is the god-awful Batman and Robin movie. Yeah. Which completely raped his character. Exactly. The other complaint, very obviously, is casting Anne Hathaway as Selena Kyle. Wow. You know, it's funny because there's been a, a big contingency on the internet who have wanted her to be Catwoman for years to the point where they have actually done mock-ups of her as Catwoman with Photoshop. And it just gives you an idea of what she'll look like in the movie. Although she'll probably look like nothing we, we've seen there, but she looks like she fits the role. Plus the woman can act, which is awesome because, um, you know... Hey, even, if, even if she couldn't act, which she can, she's, she's yeah. a good actress, mm -hmm. just her in leather with yeah. whips. <laughs> Yeah. That's all. What that's more all. do you? What more do you need? That's all you had to yet, say. <laughs> yet a lot of people are complaining about it, and mm -hmm. as I would have noted, had this been a long-form rant, you know, a lot of people complained five years ago about the casting of Keith Ledger as the Joker, including a certain co-founder of MHQ who shall remain nameless. Ooh, <laughs> <no way. laughs> I'll give you a hint. It's not me. <laughs> what are your thoughts on? Um, what are your thoughts on Tom Hardy as a uh, Bane? He's a great actor. Yeah. Um, have you have you so. seen have you seen um sorry uh Bronson? 
I haven't, but it's on Netflix streaming, so I'll be checking it out. I mean, granted, it's it's a big send-up to uh, Stanley Kubrick and the way he directed uh, A Clockwork Orange, but it's based on the true story, and Tom Hardy is completely spellbinding in that movie as uh, as, as Charles Bronson, the, the famous uh, uh, English inmate, not to be confused with the actor who um, a lot of people believe he named himself after, but... Um, he completely does a great job. He's a kind of actor like Christian Bale who can bulk up for one role and then get, you know, real skinny for the next or, you know, who can just be an average sized dude. So he's one of those guys who can manipulate, you know, he can he can he can fit himself for the role. So if people are worried about him bulking up, just watch him in Bronson and see how freaking huge he is in that movie. Wow. And and granted, I, mean, he's I don't a, even think that that's the not, case. I mean, I think that's I think not, what that's you just need to about it, but I think I mean, the biggest thing that Chris the brain that I would bring up and I'm sure Chris probably thinks the same way is the fact yeah. that um the, the, the director Christopher Nolan's done a pretty good job with the last two movies, yeah. and if he's involved with this one, like he is, and these are the people that they're picking, mm-hmm. I think I wouldn't complain about it. Yeah, because he seemed to be—he seems to kind of know what he's—he's he's wanting to do. <laughs> I know some so. fans would say, you know, um, Spider-Man Three, but you know, that's Sam Raimi. He's not the same person just yeah. because he did two good Spider-Man movies and then screwed up royally the third one doesn't mean that the same thing is going to happen with Chris Nolan. And I blame... Go ahead. I've been following Chris Nolan for a long time. I've seen all of his movies, um, you know, starting with Memento and then even going back to his college film, Following, which is a great little movie you should check out. I've seen it. So he's never disappointed me up to now, and he proved every single person wrong who was complaining about Heath Ledger as the Joker. Mm -hmm. So what makes you think he would screw it up now? If you have no evidence to think he will screw up, why do you assume that he will, regardless of what anyone else has done? You, you, you hit the nail on the head, man. You completely hit the nail on the head. Um, I, I honestly think uh, this is probably going to – this third movie is going to hopefully uh, debunk the, uh, the, uh, the running tread where the third movie is the worst movie. And when it comes to Spider-Man 3, not only did Raimi screw that movie up, but so did Sony. And Sony, and Sony had a big part in that. So, Speaking of Spider-Man 3, mm-hmm. this also would have been a part of the long-form straight talk. I'll just give it here a quick mention. Everyone, Steve, please stop complaining of, what do we need another Spider-Man movie? You know why we need a Spider-Man movie? Because they make a lot of money, and Sony likes to make money. End of story. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> stop. Much. It doesn't matter if you, comic book fan, who think that they are like the, uh, the guardians of these franchises and, and the preservers of these franchises. No, you're not. Mm-hmm. You are the consumers of entertainment giving them money. They want your money. They're not here to entertain you. They're here to take money from you. Spider-Man makes tons and tons of money. Yep. Even the third one, as horrible as it was, made a lot of money. And I'm sure the video games and the merchandising made a lot of money. So shut up because there's always going to be a Spider-Man movie. It's a lucrative franchise. It's just like, yes. um, it's just like um, after the Nolan series is over, chances are that Darren Aronofsky, Darren, Darren Aronofsky is probably going to finally get his Batman um, series off the ground. After this we'll see, Batman we'll movie. see about that. But That's speculation, but I know he's really he's still interested in doing it. So Batman's going to continue, Spider-Man's going to continue, and other franchises are going to continue too. You just got to deal with it. Anyway, that's a good way to cap it off. There you go. Moving on to the mailbag. A bunch of questions. Uh, first comes from Seraphic, who has a laundry list. What are your thoughts on MS Girls and Mecha Musume? Is it a good thing or a bad thing? Creepy or understandable? Um, I think it's just cute. It's just girls wearing mobile suit costumes. It's a, yeah. nothing, nothing wrong with it. Yeah, I don't, I don't find it anything outside of what you just said. It's just, <laughs> just different. It's cute. It's, that's about it. 
it's really cool when you see it in real in, in real life cosplay when someone actually has the balls. Oh, I wouldn't say the balls, but a girl has the, the ovaries um, to do it. The, the ovaries to uh, <laughs> to do it for real. Uh, that's that's that. It's awesome when it's executed correctly. But Mecha Musume is is something I have not a problem. I feel don't have a problem with. Um, uh, even if, if it's moe, it's it, it's if done right, it's still cool. And for the next question, uh, I'm actually called in a special guest to help oh. us with this one because what? of the delicate nature of it, and that is Dr. Phil McGraw. Nice. Okay. So, Dr. Phil, uh, please take it take it on for us here. Here we go. All right. A more experienced gentleman, what is your advice for younger listeners in relationships with people who don't like, get, respect anime or video games? Do your significant others enjoy the same things that you talk about on the show? I know it's just a small thing, and we have a lot of common ground outside of this. I wouldn't call off the marriage over a petty thing like that. But let me tell you, if you're watching cartoons about robots and cars that turn into robots, you need to grow up and get out of your mama's basement. That is all. Okay. Oh, well, well, thank you, Dr. Phil. <laughs> wasn't well, quite the answer I expected, but uh, <laughs> it's an answer nonetheless. <laughs> I, I guess with um, anything in any relationship, um, there's always going to be things that you like that the other person doesn't like and vice versa. Um, yeah, there's very few girls that are into mecca and stuff like that but there are some and i've i've experienced them and you know it's just it's just like anything i mean it's you know some people love sports some people don't some people like theater some people don't i mean it's just and if you're in relationships sometimes you're going to put up with things that you don't always want to do <laughs> so that's about all i could say on that so i mean so bro um using using my relationship as a as an example um when i met my wife she's a huge anime fan but um she we don't like the exact same genres there's some series that we do love together at the same time but then there's other series that we both have individual love for and she's not really big in the mecha series and that to make me want to say well well that's it screw you up i don't want a relationship <laughs> But um, there were certain, you know, mega series she was exposed to. And, you know, she loves Japanese seiyuu. So when I'm sitting there watching a show, uh, like, like a Gundam series in Japanese, and she hears a voice, she can just call it out right away. Oh, that's the voice of so-and-so, or that's uh, such and such. You know, and, um, you know, she'll be, you know, she'll have attention for a few minutes. But other than that, I, I can't, you know, you're going, you're going to meet people who have the same interests as you, but may not have the same exact interest in you. And remember, that, you know, there's an overall interest in something. But then again, when you break it down to its minute factors, you're going to find that there's a lot of differences in what you like and what your significant other likes and you got to deal with it hopefully they respect what you're into my wife puts up with you know my love for mecha anime and street fighter and stuff like that and every so often <laughs> and, and doing a, a podcast about robots exactly doing a podcast of, uh, about robots in the living room of the same house that she lives in <laughs> so <laughs> So, um, you know, she, she puts up with it and she's cool with it and she's never, you know, ever said a negative thing about it. And she to put up me. with you and your street fighter requires the patience of a saint. It does, man. She, she just put down half the half the um, the prepay on my Marvel versus Capcom three. I love it to death for that. So um, thank you. Thank you, baby. And um, <laughs> other than it, that, you've just illustrated for the world <laughs> what a cheap date you are. Well, I'm very cheap. <laughs> just pre just help pre-order a Capcom game, Capcom Woo! fighting game, and you get into Soul Bros pants. It's the most thoughtful gift ever. That that and um, I got a Xbox Live uh, uh, renewal for my birthday, which was just a couple weeks ago. That's what my wife bought me for my birthday present. So thoughtful, so thoughtful. It was freaking awesome. But um, yeah, you know what? If you can get with someone who actually respects what you're into. 
she doesn't have to necessarily like it, but she respects it and how much it means to you. That's the most important thing. If you get with someone who's going to diminish what you're into and just completely try to take you out of it, get away from that person as far as you can um, because they're just going to end up just sucking the life out of you. You know, if you could have to respect the things that she's into, she should also give that to you. Likewise, unless it's destroying your life, that's the only, the only, the only out that she gets in that. If she's trying to to help you, but you know, other than that, you know, she just needs to have tolerance for it, and that's pretty much it. All right, uh, for me, it hasn't been a problem in the past. Most of the girls have liked anime, so it hasn't been an issue. But um, I know that won't always be the case in the future, but mm-hmm. it's like anything. Like we've said in the past, things like anime, video games, they're, they're a hobby, not a lifestyle. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you, know, exactly. um, you know, I'm not that big on most sports. I like soccer casually, but I don't really care for football or basketball or baseball. I wouldn't have a problem dating a woman who is into any of those as long as she wasn't, say, obsessive about them. You know, like having to tailgate every damn week or be in full body paint or have, you know, foam fingers all over the house or, you know. 16 different fantasy leagues. Yeah, and and like obsessive memorization of like somebody's stats, you know. Who's this woman? Believe me, they're out there. They're They're out there. They're actually out there, yeah. I've I've seen them. I've actually, yeah, I've actually known girls that are, are worse about fantasy football Dude, than guys they, are. I thought they yes. only existed in science fiction. No. <laughs> no. No, I've, I've seen there are women just as he describes, just wow. like that, that are yeah. worse than men in, in that respect. So it comes with anything, you know. Yeah. Um, Moderation. I, would, I wouldn't want to date uh, someone who's an obsessive gambler. I wouldn't want to date someone who is obsessed with all sorts of sort of all sorts of different things. So it just comes down to, you know, and there's all, they're also going to be, you know, on the flip side, they're going to be into things that you're not into. Yep. So it just comes down to compromise and understanding. That's exactly right. But that's gotta, the way it is even in your relationships, like with your friends, you know. Mm-hmm. Exactly. They're going to be into things that you're not, and you're going to be into things that they're not. You just have to reach an understanding of, you know, I may not like what you do, but I respect that you like it. You got to prepare yourself for the dialogues to come. <laughs> exactly. Uh Number three, is there anything in anime you wish you could unsee or unhear? Well, I'll give you one that jumps to mind instantly. And uh, woe is on to you if you ever saw this. Back in the 90s, ADV released an OAV called Chimera, which I believe <laughs> I've I mentioned it. in the past. I've heard of it. I've never seen it. Okay, it's a space vampire OAV. And the thing is, like, you know, ADV was a master back in the 90s of, like, cutting really nice trailers oh, and making yes, really nice box art for their videotapes, for their distinctive white videotapes, remember? Yep, I do. Their tapes were white. Thank you, Suncoast. But but anyway, they sucked me in with this vampire thing, Chimera, because it had a neat trailer. And, you know, it's about this space vampire that this dude from space is after. And then, like, some Tokyo guy, he's in love with this vampire, who they keep referring to as a girl, but you can very clearly see from being topless is a dude. And he's in love with this vampire girl dude thing. And it made no sense to me whatsoever because they kept calling it a chick and it was very obviously a man. And uh, it turns out later on I found out that's because it's a yaoi series. Oh, it's a yaoi God. anime. It's not like hardcore. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just yaoi of, you know, like man-man. And because they wanted it to appeal to a broader audience in the dub, they made it a chick even though the animation very clearly shows otherwise. Wow, that's hilarious. It was also just a bad story anyway. So that was just one small part of it. It's just that it was a huge disappointment in every respect, and it did not at all look as cool as it did in the magazine advertisements and in the trailers they had on other tapes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So 
Screw you, ADV. <laughs> oh man, I um, I I gotta say, even though it's only a a, a few minutes long, um, Robotech 3000. <laughs> oh my God, I'm like I'm like uh, I just watched Modern Family the other day where the kids walked in on their parents having sex. One of them was at the at the at the sink washing her eyes out. It's like I I can still see it. <laughs> that was me after Robotech 3000. Yeah, it's pretty bad. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> Horrible. Well, Neo. MD guys too. There you go. Colon Death Force. <laughs> All right. What compensation would be complete <laughs> without that? Number four. What is the funniest subtitle slash translation you have ever seen? Uh, without a doubt. Because and I'm I'm gonna put as a ground rule here. HKs are excluded because you know they're gonna be full of shenanigs. Damn. Uh, <laughs> without a doubt, the number one best Ghost in the Shell mass naked child events. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. Mass naked child events? Okay, there was this fan subreddit that no longer exists. Mm -hmm. uh, they would translate from Japanese to Chinese and then from Chinese to English. Right. So you can imagine that lots of things get lost along the way. No doubt. <laughs> so there was a line, I think it was from, from Togusa, and he's asking, I think, the major about um, like a rash of disappearances. Mm hmm. But they mistranslated it as, have you heard about the mass naked child events? <laughs> and this was released this way. Like, someone saw this, the English script of this, and thought, okay, cool, that sounds right. Oh, man. That's funny. Mass I, 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 I dare you to challenge to, uh, to top that. I can't. I can't really think I of can't. anything. I can't. Because all my you, stuff goes to HK. Yeah, you, you rule out <laughs> HK subs, and then I threw everything of us out. Because <laughs> so, I would have said white doll with mustache right off the bat, dude. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. It's hard mode. Damn. Damn. Well, I'll have to this pass cool's in ghost one. mode. Great question, though, but I've got no answer for it. All Next right. Question. <laughs> what made Gundam Wing so successful in the U.S.? Why was the environment good for a Gundam show? I think we've talked about this in ad nauseum. Past episodes ad nauseum, so we're just going to move on from that. Number six. Why did Gundam Wing never get a proper simulation game like Seed Never Ending Tomorrow or 0081? It would have done great with its own game in the Gundam Versus series. Battle Assault doesn't count. Would you play the game if it came into being? Simple answer. Uh, by the time Gundam Wing came out here in the U.S. and became a big hit, it had already been five years since it came out in Japan, and most of the Gundam games... I've noticed, uh, are in three categories these days. Mm -hmm. One, Universal Century. Two, whatever the current TV show is in Japan. Yep. Three, mash-em-ups of multiple universes like Gundam Versus or Dynasty Warriors. Exactly. So, you know, they had already moved on in Japan from Gundam Wing, and there was just no way they were going to make a game. Yeah, pretty Which is much. why we ended up with the situation of Rise from the Ashes getting released here, and people began, Peru, where's, where's Death Scythe? Where's Hero? Where, where are GMs? What's Zeon? Where's Trace? <laughs> Those were actual complaints from back in the day. Well, I'm that's not hilarious. The last question from Seraphic. Why is the world so twisted? Why? <laughs> because I must cut through that twistedness. There you go. Why do I have to continue seeing that little girl and her dog die? Oh. Why? Okay, our next question comes from Alan Fortran, who has a couple of questions. He says, regarding your gaming topic, Chris, in Gundam vs. Gundam Next Plus, what is your main or favorite mobile suit to use? I would hope to challenge you one day. Well, I'm going to throw out a non-standard answer that I think would please a certain uh, man who jabs. <laughs> and that is, uh, I like the Destiny Gundam a lot. Because in video games, it actually works the way it's supposed to and mm -hmm. does it in the show. It's not a useless piece of junk. It's versatile. It's, it's not affected by Kira y y Yamato kryptonite? 
<laughs> yeah, it's it, it's not affected by Shin sudden pilot stupidity <laughs> that happens in any episode of Destiny that Kira is in. So, uh, yeah, Destiny Gundam, great unit. I don't know if I have an overall favorite, but that one's a lot of fun. Um, Victory Gundam is fun because you can do uh, you can do the uh, the the um, spare parts spamming like Uso likes to do of smashing them into stuff. Oh yeah, and then calling for replacements. That's awesome. <laughs> That's fun. Um, number two, this one goes to Sobro. What are your favorite characters to use in Blaze Blue and or Street Fighter? I hope to challenge you as well and destroy you. Now wow. please make this. And I'm asking you, Soul Bro. Uh, please make this an answer in 30 seconds or less. Oh, you got two minutes and I got 30 seconds? Okay. Um, because <laughs> l- look at the topic, for Christ's sakes. <laughs> All right. Um, recently in Street Fighter, I'll just name two games uh, for, for Street Fighter and Blaze Blue. Street Fighter would be Street Fighter, Super Street Fighter 4, the current version. Um, I'd like to use Rose. I, prim- I primarily use Rose in um, Street Fighter 4 online. My um, backup is Ryu. Uh, sometimes I play Guy. But mostly Rose is my main character. And then... Um, no Ken and- Masters? Oh, God, no. <laughs> you sullied my name with that mess. That's why I did it. It wasn't me. Woo, dirty. You're the, you're the one who's on record on this show talking about your love for Ken Masters. Oh, I'm sure. I, I, I so adore that guy. And now someone will take me out of context. But um, no, um, in Blaze Blue, uh, I use primarily Ragnar the Blood Edge. Uh, I do like using um, the, um, the new girl, uh, Makoto. The, the squirrel squirrel girl <laughs> i like using her and um what else uh i guess my third would be uh bang bang um the ninja man he's got the greatest theme song ever those are my three characters in that game and that i'll turn it back to you <laughs> all right our next question comes from anubis mm-hmm. who says this question came to me when painting a model kit of all things Gundam and the mecha genre in general is pretty much an excuse to sell toys and or model kits. They can even be used to sell things outside of toys, such as new songs from a popular Japanese musician. Mecha fans generally accept this part of the genre and even joke about it, but this leads me to wonder, is there a line when it comes to this sort of thing? Is it acceptable as long as it doesn't interfere with the story? Has there been a time when you have been turned off by a mecha show's attempts to sell products? Transformers Hmm. Prime. Because it doesn't have the heart and soul of G1. And they're just trying to sell you toys now. It's not like before. To... How dare they? Not, not, not like before where they were just trying to do a, a simple story about transforming robots. With heart and soul. That happened to be able to be sold during the commercial breaks. They were trying to sell toys. They were trying to give us an entertaining product. No, no asshole. They were trying to sell toys. <laughs> there definitely is a line. And um, I think most of the time. Uh, the shows that I watch tend to not cross it, but one of the most egregious examples, and this should be no surprise coming from me, uh, the G-Fighter. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh. Utterly useless piece of junk that they introduced just to have the Gundam combined with some piece of crap in useless ways that would interfere with the episodes. Very clear example of toy interference into a storyline, and I hate that thing, and I am so glad that the movies don't have it. <laughs> I mean, there's no better example than that, I think. Woo! Yeah, at least that, they, is, they, that is probably the biggest one. At least they realized that by the time the movies rolled around, how bad that, how badly designed that thing was. Or the other, what was the other thing, the G bull, or it's just like the spare part, like the spare shields. And... Well, it was part of the G fighter. Yeah, they were all part of the same thing. So, oh my god, uh, I can't really think of anything. The only thing that really annoys, well, maybe it was um, Destiny. Destiny annoyed me because it seemed like they were um, doing songs all the time. It seems like they're really pushing like certain artists. And it's like, I don't mind if you do, like, your certain theme songs and stuff like that. But after a while, it just seemed like they were just, it was like, 
a new opening every couple episodes, a new, you know, some insert song for some, you know, Ooh. character crap. And it's yeah. like, really, is this really needed or is this just because, uh, you know, uh, the, the people that, you know, your Capital Records Japan is sponsoring something in this, you know? <laughs> well, one thing that does annoy me, and this isn't about mecha merchandising so much, kind of, um, and so this is something that both Seed and Destiny do with the same person, stunt casting. That too, yes. yeah. With, oh uh, with uh, TM Revolution, <laughs> Thank both you. in Seed yeah. and uh, in Destiny, because, you know, in Seed, he played a dumb, useless character nobody liked, mm-hmm. but then in Destiny, they had him play an interesting character that a lot of people liked, just to kill him off because of the very fact that you're not going to have a very popular musician chained to uh, a mecha show for 50 episodes. Yep. And they created this character just to kill him very quickly and introduce a custom mobile suit of his to then sell. Yeah. Yeah. So that stunt casting in both shows annoyed me, but definitely more in Destiny. Yeah. Because, because it was very obvious stunt casting. And even and it's like, you like you liked, I liked the character of Heine, even though I knew that it was stunt casting and he was doomed to die, and it pissed me off when they got rid of him. So. Which makes the sting even more, even more painful at that point. But, um, man, um, you guys raised very good examples. Um, gosh, uh, yeah, Destiny was the image, the image uh, song king. I, I gotta say, oh, man, um, there's other Gundam series that have quite a bit, like Double O, and it had its fair share, but not nearly as much as Destiny did. And um, now I gotta say, Destiny is definitely um, my, my vote up there for... Uh, Oh, jab man, jab man's crying in Woo! his soup right now. Hey man, he should be proud, man. That's a show. <laughs> <laughs> All That's right, it. our next question. Just to keep moving along here, and this will be mm-hmm. our last one. Oh. It comes from Nasty Nate, who okay. says, "You guys have pretty much clarified that your favorite Gundam series is Zeta and X. What about Macross? What is your favorite Macross series? I just recently got into Macross, and so far, I like the original the best." Mm. Um, yeah, you can't go wrong with the uh, with the original, you know. Yeah. Uh, I've watched that show so many times yeah. over the years. I love it just as much as I did at the beginning, and um, you know, I've had a, as you see from my reviews, a very big turnaround on Seven. So I really like Seven a lot, and mm-hmm. Frontier is a great show, though flawed in some ways. So overall, um, as far as just the TV shows, I would definitely have to say uh, Macross, the original. Yeah, I don't think you can go wrong with that, and mm-hmm. I'm I'm in the same. I'm in the same light. I, I like. And there are no nostalgia glasses involved here. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm in the same light too. If there was, you said to, um, <laughs> When it comes to Seven and when it comes to Frontier, I, I think they're they're both enjoyable shows. But if I had to pick one, it'd probably be the first one. Yeah. So. I mean, I feel the same way. Um, the original one is what um, really developed my taste for uh, for anime in general. And um, even though it was Robotech the Macross Saga at the time, you know, watching the original version and owning the original version on DVD has allowed me to appreciate the series even more. Um, if there was any runner-up, uh, even though it's an OVA, I love Macross Plus to death. I think that's really close to... Um, it's, it's definitely my second favorite Macross, even though it's not a TV show, it's an OVA, but it, it, it's, it ranks up there. That's All fine. right. His uh, last part of his question is also what are you guys going to talk about at Megacon this year I am really debating on making the 8 hour drive or not from Mobile Alabama well um, we'll actually be announcing our Megacon plans in the near future we're going to be doing something a bit different from what we've done in the past few years and Mm -hmm. uh, I will say that uh, for Nasty Nate I hope you are not debating about coming to Megacon or not just because of us because that's a hell of a drive (laughs) <laughs> in a hell of a distance, so I would hope that you are attracted by um, 
some of the other things like the guests like you know William Shatner, Stan Lee, etc. And you know if you want to come and see us, well, we appreciate the the devotion, but please, um, for the sake of your gas tank and your and your checkbook. <laughs> I hope there are other considerations, but just keep watching for uh, you know, the news in the near future. We'll have some announcements about what specifically we're doing with Megacon. All right. Word. Well, that's, uh, that's the mailbag, and um, we'll be back in a little bit with our first topic. You're listening to Gundam at MHQ. If you're into sports, working out, or just need a new pair of shoes, and you're a proud listener of Gundam at MAHQ, well, we got the thing for you. If you go to Gundam.net, you can click on the Champs banner and receive 10% off a $50 or more purchase by entering the code AFMAHQCH or 15% off of a $75 or more purchase using the code AFGUNDCH. If you're a fan of the NFL, NBA, Major League Baseball, NHL, college sports, or even stuff like Major League Soccer and a lot of your uh, premiership soccer jerseys, definitely go to champsports.com for all those needs. And also visit them because they have some great deals on footwear and other products. We, the hosts of Gundam at MHQ, visit champsports.com for all of our footwear and sporting good needs. You should too. Hi, I'm Mitsugi. And I'm Hatake. And we're the hosts of Anime Addicts Anonymous Podcast, aaapodcast.com. Listen up, anime fans. Do you find yourself spending tons of money on anime DVDs and merchandise? Wishing you drove a Gundam to work instead of your car? Singing J-pop music in the shower? If you do any of these things, you might be an anime addict. At the Anime Addicts Anonymous Podcast, we have one mission, to turn your anime addiction into an obsession. We entertain our listeners with current anime news, celebrity guest hosts, hilarious discussion topics, and fair, unbiased review on current and past anime. Here are a few testimonials. I used to be a total anime noob. Now I know so much about anime that I can say, Spike was caught riding on a Tachkoma eating Poppy wearing a Hidden Leaf Village headband while looking at a foldout of Revy in a Death Note, and know exactly what that means. Now that I listen to the Anime Addicts Anonymous podcast, I never have to watch a bad anime again. They watch them, so I don't. So visit us at aaapodcast.com and submit anime review requests on our forum and tune in on iTunes so you can always have the latest in news and reviews. So get obsessed with Anime Addicts at the AAA. And remember, we're here for you. Don't talk down to me like I'm a kid. I totally dig being on my own. Plus, I can eat all the pizza I want. Didn't I tell you for years to go easy on the pizza? And don't tell me that's all you're eating every day. God, you're pathetic, you know that? Please don't talk to me like you're my mom. You're not the maternal... That's enough. Look, you better explain this. I don't give a damn about your personal life. Start talking.
This segment of Gundam at MAHQ is brought to you by Petco. Hey everybody, welcome back to Gundam. This is Chris, and for our first segment today, we're going to discuss uh, possibly the last time that we ever talk about Gundam 00 in uh, long-form, sustained discussion. That's right, we're we'll talking about Mobile Suit Gundam 00 the movie, Awakening of the Trailblazer, the 2010 Japanese feature film that's a sequel to the TV show. So, let's jump right into it. Uh, only a very brief summary of the story, since you've probably already seen it, or you're going to watch it, or you've read my review. But basically, the story picks up two years after the end of the TV show, and the Earth is in peace. You've got a new government that's in control. Allods has been disbanded. Celestial being is kind of um, hiding out. And um, everything seems okay. But then a ship returns from Jupiter carrying uh, an alien infestation and these aliens start um, landing on Earth and seeking out people who have quantum brainwaves and have the potential to become innovators. And eventually these aliens get named ELS or Extraterrestrial Living Metal Shapeshifter. You can sort of think of them as uh, giant T-1000s that generally are shaped like big needles but can morph into all sorts of other shapes so we have celestial being coming back into action and we have the earth federation forces under the command of uh of kati mannequin leading the way and they combat the else disastrously at first and then eventually celestial being is uh forced to head towards deep space where the elves moon spaceship thing is coming towards earth there's a massive battle, lots of things explode, and some people die. And then there's a nice epilogue in the end that we'll get to eventually once we discuss things in more detail. But first, there's two things we have to take care of. One of them is uh, one of our listeners, Eggman. He posted a YouTube video that uh, was a defense of Saji Crossroad. And he was talking about how Saji redeemed himself in this film and he wanted us to specifically highlight Saji Crossroad and his uh, GN chair toss at uh, a zombie ribbons that was trying to grab Louise. Hey Saji was watching a whole lot of the boondocks at that time. He learned that throwing a chair is a great way to start a fight. <laughs> so so, so here is the final requiem of, of King Arthur or more like King Nothing. Oh so, Soul Bro, what do, what do, you, what do you think? That's a Metallica uh, this is... song, isn't it? King Nothing. Yes, it is. <laughs> tell, us, tell us about King, uh, King Nothing. I thought it was a standout moment for Saji, man. He, he took action. He didn't stand back and whimper and whine. And he, he, you know, when he saw that Louise was being threatened, he, he, he picked up that, that steel, that folded, that folded chair, man, and, and tossed it right at uh, good old uh, uh, T-1000 Ribbon's face. <laughs> and then he, he like a man he picked up Louise and, 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 and got her the hell out tried to get her the hell out of the building and uh, he, he stood you know he, he stood up for his woman and I thought that was uh, outstanding you know it, it's, it's more manly than Saji's ever been in the show before there were moments he had stand out throughout the series but I, I, I thought that was cool you know you could see that he had, had grown at a, as a man uh, throughout the series I, I, I think it was a, a shining moment for him but you know um, a lot of people tried to blow it up and say Saji Sachi killed it in the movie. He did, but, you know, it was for like 30 seconds. <laughs> I, I'm watching the rest of the movie hoping that uh, he'd play a bigger role, but uh, we'll get into that when we get into my part of the review. But uh, All right, so, uh, Neil, what do you think about the GN chair toss incident? Well, it ha has, um, has society sunken so low now that we, um, 
actually give props or we give uh, adulation to people for things that they should do anyways. I mean, it's it's one of the it's one of these things where this is your girl and somebody's about to attack both you and her. Yes, you're gonna throw a chair or you're gonna try to defend her or help her, you know, escape. I mean, but um, I don't know how this thing is redeeming how boring and how useless of a character Damn. Sa- Saji was for what 50 episodes and now <laughs> and now a two-hour movie i mean I, I i'm glad that Soulbro actually is within reason thinking that you know these people saying oh this redeemed everything he's he's not drinking the kool-aid on this <laughs> either he realizes that okay you know it's a it's a it's a it's a standout thing, and you know he's not been the the wuss that he has been, but still, I mean, <laughs> I, I, it, it was not like the crowning moment of or the most memorable part of this movie. It was like, oh crap, got done watching. I was like, man, that way he threw that chair. I was like, you know, thought I was watching WWE or something, <laughs> you know. So yeah, let's. Um, uh, oh. it, as 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 sad as I am to see the double O. Um, you know, kind of go away, and at least in uh, you know movie form or, or TV show form, um, I'm sure we'll still see it in manga form. Um, it, it, it's not uh, it's not it's not one of these things where uh, you know I, I have to um, you know uh, believe in uh, the thing of uh, Saji, and we can get the we can get this whole crossroad crew thing. It can oh, just kind of go away, and I don't want to. We don't have to hear about bust King up the old Arthur crew. And, oh, yeah, man. we don't have to hear this King Arthurine and and <laughs> all these lame <laughs> all these all these lame excuses or well, he came through, man. Things. He came through. That's all there is to it. <laughs> to, to give my two cents on it and and quote uh, James Cromwell, I'll, I'll just say this: That'll do, pig. <laughs> so there you go, Eggman. You can't say that we we didn't talk about it. Oh, you asked yeah. us to bring it up. We brought it up. Now, the next thing that I want to bring up before we get into our thoughts about the movie is uh, something that was discussed quite a bit on our forums at the time, and that was ANN's review of the movie back in October when it screened with English subtitles at a convention. Mm-hmm. So I have a couple of points to bring up about this movie that uh, were mentioned by, by people on the Mechatalk forums and that I brought up myself. And I want to make it clear, first off, that... Uh, you know, the review lists some unsatisfying things, uh, you know, to, to the reviewer, uh, Mike Tool that he thought were unsatisfying. That's fine. He's free to not like the movie. But there's a couple of points that he makes that um, I think are just poorly formed because they stem from a lack of knowledge of, as he admits, not having seen the entire series. First of all... Um, he has a complaint that there's a lot of characters to follow, and there were too many characters to follow. And he wasn't, he says here, despite hours of research, I still haven't figured out who all of these people are, and I've actually watched the majority of Gundam Double O. Now, if you say that you've watched the majority of it, then I would think that means all of season one and at least part of or most of season two. Mm-hmm. If that's the case, then you already know who most of the characters are because there's only a handful of characters who are introduced in this movie that are new people. And most of them are very minor, insignificant people. So if you've seen even the beginning of season two, you know who's who. Right. It's not that huge of a jump to follow. It's not convoluted. It's not something that's unwieldy. Uh, he also makes a point about uh, the combat. And um, he says here, 
The ships utilize a huge variety of weapons from beam rifles and sabers to conventional ordnance, particle weapons, fin funnel-esque, semi-autonomous shield and rifle bits, and a reality-defying enhancement called, I kid you not, Trans-Am. That was written in all caps by <laughs> Trans-Am. So I wonder, you know, given that something like Trans-Am was seen all the way back in late season one, and it was used quite a bit in season two, and it's not even really used that much in the movie by comparison. Mm-hmm. Why are you making a special point of talking about it like it's some weird thing? You know, oh, it's this thing called Trans Am. It's old news if you've seen the series. Yeah. Uh, another point here says here, aside from the tangled mess of the plot, the weird and unsatisfying, albeit final ending, and bizarre title, there's no trailblazer mentioned in the film, nor does any character really awaken in the spiritual sense. Um, I would think this is pretty obvious that the trailblazer is Setsuna, given all of the actions that he does throughout this movie, especially the end, but we'll get to later on. So Mm -hmm. if you think that the movie has to specifically name someone as the trailblazer for you to understand the title, then what, what are you thinking? You know, does it have to all be spelled out for you? Isn't it clear from the ending and even before that that the trailblazer is Setsuna? Does it have to be written on a chalkboard that says Setsuna is the trailblazer? You know, why, how does that make the title bizarre? I, I, I have no idea what, he, what he's going on about that. Uh, you know, it's, it's, it's perfectly obvious. I mean, I mean Setsuna literally awakens in the movie. <laughs> in the third and, act so i mean it's like jesus christ how much more how many more clues do you need to know that he's who the title is referencing you know it's to, it's christ yeah to close off my my thoughts on on this little thing and then we'll hear from you guys uh like i said you're free to not like the movie if you felt it was unsatisfying that's fine mm-hmm. but don't fault the movie for your lack of knowledge about the things that you should know before coming into it that's your own fault you know, you don't, you wouldn't send someone to review the third Matrix movie without having seen the first two, and then have them say, "Oh, but I don't understand any of this stuff." Of course, you don't understand it. You know, you didn't, you didn't see the the first two movies. And I understand that this was at a conscripting, so maybe he was the only A N N staffer there who could see it or wanted to see it. But still, he should have taken in mind that if he hadn't seen all of the show, which you're supposed to have seen before seeing this movie, he should have adjusted his review accordingly for that. That's true. That and not hold it against the movie for him not having the knowledge that he was supposed to have beforehand. So, what do you two think about this briefly before we jump into our thoughts about the movie? Um, well, I, I think it's a little, um, I, I think it's a, it's it's a little harsh to sit there as a reviewer and, like you said, not um, have the have the research done. I mean, doesn't that doesn't that already just show that your reviews really informed? you know ill-informed actually and that you know you're you're not you're not really doing the things as being as as a reviewer i mean chris you're you're a journalist do you you know you don't go you don't do the the larry king uh, school of journalism where you just go unprepared to 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 talk to somebody and and i I think that's the same no and obviously you can't know everything about a subject but you should have some familiarity yeah. you don't you can't you can't ever just go in blind into something i mean, I mean, I mean picking on things that have already been shown in the show and you're sitting here and you're saying and, and shown quite extensively and then sitting in the stating that yeah i saw most of it but i still don't understand this even though all this was going on beforehand i think it's just a lame attempt to try to find something wrong with it um you know we, we we've seen before with ann especially with um you know mecha shows and even gundam in general that they're not always the nicest to them 
when it comes to the reviews and stuff. Mm-hmm. And well, in general, I disagree uh, with a lot of the editorial stances yeah. that ANN takes with all anime and manga, but that's neither here nor there. And, and I, I think that that's something that we're seeing here. I, I just think it's irresponsible as a reviewer to, to do things, you know, to, to sit here and, and review things and knowingly say that, oh, I don't know or, you know, I, you know I, I'm, I'm not prepared enough to do this, but yet I'm going to offer a qualified opinion. That's actually, you know, that some people might actually take as, you know, um, influence their way of, of looking at this movie or not. So, mm-hmm. I don't know. It's, it, it's just, it's, it's the ridiculousness of, um, you know, people with power or perceived power. So, Solbro? Um, I, I, I agree with you wholeheartedly on the, um, on the fact that he should have approached it as someone who wasn't that familiar with the show when he reviewed it. Because in reality, a lot of movie reviewers have to go see movies based on TV shows and they never watched the TV show or a movie based on a book and they never read the book. So, you know, they're going into the movie blind. But in this, like in this that. age he, of the internet, you can yeah. very easily read up a plot synopsis oh, yeah. on Wikipedia oh, yeah. or on some website. This is not like... Yeah. You know, yeah, the, but, but, the ancient days where you had to get, like, a film yeah. reel from the studio and watch all this crap before you could watch something else. It's very easy to, to read up on something and at least get a, a brief picture of what's going on. Yeah, but, but if, if I, I – I, and I would do that um, if I had to go see a movie with a already storied history before it. Like, if I was forced to go watch Sex in the City for a movie review or the sequel <laughs> – you know, as much as I don't want to watch the TV show, I at least would read up on the characters and what this, what, what yeah, the basic the, synopsis of it about before I go see it. This is which, the case which, with him. Yeah. He says he saw most of the show. Which, it can't, which can't be so, true because yeah. in season one, so Trans, Am, Trans Am was a turning point towards the end of the first season. And it was spammed so much in season two that how could you miss that? <laughs> How could you miss that? It's like you, you you might as well take back that statement because there are also characters in this movie that were well throughout season two that you would have had plenty of chance to see even if you caught the, the occasional episode here and there. If you didn't care about it, I can understand it. If your heart doesn't lie in, 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 in watching Gundam series, completely understandable. Just be, be, be forthcoming with that in the interview. I mean, in the review. Instead of like saying that you saw enough of the show to get the gist, it's like, well, you you know about the four main characters and maybe the overlining plot, but that's that's all that's all I can I can tell from your words from from the article because you're you're then nitpicking on certain things in the movie which have been long established in the TV show, and it it is almost contradicting what you're saying, and it doesn't make sense to me, you know. Um, I I have a big problem with that. If you're familiar with the 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 the, the subject matter. That's fine. Just do a quick read up and just admit that, and that's cool. If you got to review it, you got to review it. You're probably the only reviewer there on the spot, or the probably the probably the staff member most interested in reviewing the movie. So I give you kudos for that. But you know, don't 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 pick on the movie for things you don't know about. And, I'll give you um, kudos for anything. <laughs> I, no, I, I honestly. Oh, I mean, I'm just saying, I if he had, if he had done that, then yeah, I would give him kudos. But he didn't. So, but um. All right. Well, anyway, let's, that, let's move on then. Mm-hmm. Let's move on, and I want to break this up into a couple of different topics. Right. And first, uh, the the very big, big topic about this movie, Aliens in Gundam, first time Ooh. ever. So, Solbro, let's hear your thoughts. What do you think about this what about specific wing- aspect of the movie? What about the winged whale, man? <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> Forget that. He's a fraud. Oh, he's a phone cameo. Like, like, the, like the Loch Ness Monster. Just a fraud. Oh, but um, no, I, I, the ELS, it was, it was an interesting concept. I was always wondering, I'm always wondering what an alien invasion or alien in, in involvement in a Gundam series would be like. And to see that they finally 
jumped the shark or in a in a sense uh when it comes to the ls they finally you know went ahead and did it was, was a pretty brave move for a gundam series uh you know they they hinted towards this throughout the first and the second season um i remember there was a episode in a uh, season one where they showed the jupiter expedition and there was something you know just odd about you know the abandoned ships that were there and you always wondered what the deal was with that and they finally explained it in this movie and a little bits in season two which you know also foreshadowed this but to see it actually executed in this movie it was nice to see that they weren't humanoid but some other kind of creature that you know you know we, we'd have very little in common with and just to see that it would just be a, a very tough uh, crossover to, to get through to these aliens to convince them that we could coexist and um, you know just just a big hurdle that Setsuna would have to go through um, I, I like the concept of them um, I was a little weirded out by them too but I mean that's the whole point you know xenophobia because everybody was experiencing that in the movie with the fact that you know Earth was going to get invaded by these aliens. So, and um, the fact that they also had some qualities like the T one thousand was kind of cool too. Um, like the scene where, uh, of course, my man Saji, you know, he throws a steel chair. It's a wonder that ribbons didn't absorb it and throw it right back at him. But you know, <laughs> well, well uh, but, you know, you got to remember the T one thousand. They would analyze things as a threat and no threat. So maybe, you know, liquid metal. Mm-hmm. Ribbons is like, oh, no threat, even though he threw something at me because it's Saji. So. Completely weak, Von. Yeah. Acquire targets. <laughs> I, I, like, I like how Setson set appeared on himself a little when he saw a T1000 ribbons, though. I was like, oh my God, you're back. <laughs> but no, as, a, as an alien species, it was an intriguing take on, on aliens, and uh, I, 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 I had no problems with that. Um, Neo, any, any thoughts on that? Um, I, I, I think. I really didn't have an issue with it either. It was nice that they did make them uh, completely alien. You mm-hmm. know, um, they're not humanoid or anything like that because it did give more of a sense of kind of like um, terror and kind of that creepy feeling, especially when you're seeing, uh, you know, ribbons, um, you know, what was looking like ribbons walking around and, and absorbing these people. Oh, the and, creepy smile. You know, the creepy <laughs> smile and, and that spacesuit and stuff. And, you know, that was just really weird and... But I, I think in terms of, um, you know, the problem with Gundam is you're going to have, it, it's it's had such a long storied history where people are going to have an issue either way, because if it was just another space versus Earth battle, everybody would be like, oh, this is space Earth versus Earth again. And now mm-hmm. that we have the aliens, people are like, oh, well, you know, that now they're trying to do aliens and it's just... Oh, and there's been no lack of complaining about this. Yeah. You know, I've seen stuff like, oh, you know, it's it's Macross, and if I want to see aliens, I'll watch Macross, and no aliens in Gundam, and it's the same old, same old stuff we've heard for decades. That you're damned if you do, you're damned if you don't. If you if you do something that is an exact repeat of the original, then you get knocked for you know being unoriginal and for just regurgitating the same stuff over and over again. But if you exactly. dare to try something different, like G or Turn A or this movie or season one of Double O, then you get attacked for, for being not Gundam and, and nothing like what it should be. Yeah. Well, what's it going to be? Yeah, I mean, it, like I said, in terms of, um, you know, my opinion of it, I thought it was fine. Uh, you know, and, you know, like I stated, the, the biggest thing was the fact that we didn't see them as humanoids. Um, okay, we saw the, you know, the ribbons go, walking around, but that was just more of a, that was not their true form. Yeah. And that was really cool to see. And, um, you know, it, it only, it only makes sense that if you're going to go out in space after a while, there's going to be some anomalies and we've seen it in real life where they're, you know, and, and now NASA and them are, are kind of re, 
thinking what is actually life when they're finding all this stuff on other planets. So mm-hmm. it kind of, I think it kind of coincides with that. And I think it's, um, you know, something that's based a little bit in realism by using that type of, you know, kind of things that we're seeing in real life concerning space life. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, but I, th- I thought it was fine. I love it. Uh, but I, Chris, well, uh, just one last thing. Uh, um, I, I, I dig the fact that those, um, those ELSs must love, um, must love a lot of sci-fi cinema because you know they they bit hard on Terminator and um, Maximum Overdrive throughout that whole movie. <laughs> the scene where um what's his name, Hallelujah, is trying to avoid those trucks that are coming at him. It just it just reminded me of Maximum Overdrive so much. It's it's it it was just one of those things about that movie that just tickled me pink. But go nostalgia ahead, lane with Soul Bro. Hey man, Maximum Overdrive. <laughs> oh. Go ahead. We're gonna talk about that movie. Well, damn. <laughs> it's irrelevant. My bad. Like you, as usual. <laughs> anyway, you know, a few years ago, I probably would have been a bit more apprehensive about this concept of aliens and Gundam because, mm-hmm. you know, that's always been um, something that's you see in other franchises like Macross, and you know, the the central conflict of Gundam has always been humans in conflict with each other. But I found that if there was any series that should have done it, it was this one because. In season two, they were laying the foundation for this. You know, they kept talking about the dialogues to come with aliens. Well, here they are. This is this is what the Aeolia plan was leading up to all this time. You know, eventual contact with aliens. Although I'm sure it didn't happen as soon as he was expecting, or in the way that he expected. But still, you know, this this is uh, pretty momentous for Gundam in that we have you know humans fighting against aliens and. You know the the conflicts from from yesterday are have to be put aside because now there's this literally existential threat because even in all of the past Gundam shows, you know when someone has some doomsday weapon, yeah, even if that kills Earth, there'd still be humans left who could repopulate the species, et cetera, et cetera. But you know with this massive overwhelming onslaught of the Ls coming in, uh, it really was an existential threat. There would have been no humanity left had they all been absorbed, killed, taken in by these aliens. Oh, yeah. So it's they different. literally are fighting for their lives. And the stakes have never been like this in any other Gundam show. Um, as far as the aliens, I'm in agreement. I'm also glad that they're not humanoid because you could see that in tons of Super Robot shows. You could see that in Macross or Super Robot Wars or plenty of different series. Exactly. So the fact that they're not humanoid, the fact that there's no way that we can communicate them in any way that we can normally understand or conceive of also made them very alien because there's this great factor of the unknown. Yeah. You know, how do you, you're fighting for your life and how do you make contact with this thing? You can't even discern what its intentions are because you can't even communicate with it. At least with a human, you know, you can communicate with them and determine what their intentions are if they're friend or foe. Yeah, exactly. But that obviously is not the case in this movie until the very, very ending. So... More generally now, let's let's move in. Neo, why don't you tell us some general comments about the movie as a whole? What did um, you like? What didn't you like? Uh, I like the fact that it, it seemed pretty uh, evenly paced. I think sometimes with movies, you, you get the different parts, or you know, sometimes you have a real fast part, a real slow part, and then you know, a real super slow part. But it seemed like everything here was a little evenly pl- paced. It was nice to see all the other characters. Um, you know, just flashes of them, even, even seeing Andre, you know, uh, that punk that he, that <laughs> punk there, but he kind of got what he deserved at the end and kind of, uh, d- 
didn't really make up for what he did, but I guess you're, he's, you got to start somewhere. But, um, you know, I, I think in terms of, um, uh, you know, of a self-contained story and, and showing, uh, you know, kind of playing on, like we stated, the, the whole thing with Alio's plan and the whole thing with, uh, you know, the alien uh, invasion uh, worked really well. I mean, it was nice to see for once we finally got the gist of what Alio's plan was. We always had heard about it. And there was, you know, bits and pieces of it throughout season one and season two, but we get to see it there. Um, animation looked great. Music was great. Um, I even liked the, uh, the, the movie that they, they showed at the final battle. That was kind of the, the Gurren Laganized movie there. <laughs> yeah, I had to say that was hilarious. And, um, I, you know, the, I, I will give Saji somewhat props on that. He's, like, thinking... What, as he's watching it with his friend and, and he left, he's like, ah, it really didn't go that way. You know? It, it but really his, didn't yeah, his biggest lament is, I wasn't in it. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. And and the people who were, were like a bunch of made up. You had this like hot-blooded super robot version of Setsuna. Yep. You had some dude in glasses who kind of resembles Tiaria. You had some little girl with pink hair and then some giant black dude. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and then when they went Trans Am, they all turned their own primary color of their suit so it's and, like, and, and they all did this like super robot attack and you have like um a heads doing like gurren Lagann sunglasses boomerang attacks yeah mm-hmm. so that was funny and, and you have the uh, the alvator that that kind of looks like a like a gold version of the the lozengan now yeah <laughs> with like lizard tail yeah. that was awesome that was hilarious but um you know in terms like i said in terms of the story it was good um the music was great, and I, I liked the epilogue at the end because that really sewed up everything, and it really kind of showed that this is it for Double O, pretty mm-hmm. much for um, you know for, for anything animated. I mean, like I stated earlier, I'm sure we'll still keep getting mangas here and there and everywhere, but um, you know, it, and and I'm actually good with this. I mean, I, what I've always liked about Double O, each of the seasons, and, and now the movie is. If they never created another one, I was good with it. Like I said, I was always good with season one. If they didn't do a season two, I was good with that. You know, because it, they, they, they actually knew how to end something and, you know, end that story. And just like with, um, with season two, same thing. And with uh, Awakening of the Trailblazer, um, it's, uh, it's, it's the same way. I mean, everything was done. We had, we had the situation hit. It crescendoed. They saved it. You know, Earth is moving on. Now, it's not the, the most happiest ending because we know that they're still going to have problems, but it seems like they're on, on the right track. And, um, you know, the, like I said, the, the whole... I, I think for all of the movie, the most important part is that epilogue because, uh, you know, spoiler alert, you get Setsna returning now basically as an L himself to a very, uh, very older Marina mm-hmm. who's like uh, blind and deaf and not deaf, but she was kind of blind. And, you know, it was it, and, and then you got the whole situation with the young Elio getting interviewed by that reporter and, and asking him what really what the whole idea behind everything was. And that's when you really got the kind of sum up of what what his plan was and um, how forward thinking of a guy this this person was. So, you know. That's about it for me there. What I didn't like about it, um, I don't know. I don't think I, there wasn't really anything that I didn't per se uh, hate 
or you know really stood out that really bothered me um you know i okay you know maybe there were some parts with some of the characters you did like a little bit more with um but other than that eh, i guess maybe the only other thing you could be was too much of the goofiness of patrick it seemed <laughs> that there there might have been there might have been there might have been one too many goofball exchanges with him but oh you know it but that really didn't bother me because we had gone 50 episodes with that before and uh that guy has got luck on his side. No, that dude is super. <laughs> that dude is super Dave Osborne. That's what he but, is. Um, <laughs> you know, and, and then the whole thing with Graham finally figuring out too and sacrificing himself mm-hmm. to allow uh, Setsna to, you know, get into the opening of the uh, the L's ship and uh, basically merging with them and speaking with them. And uh, I also like that they didn't do the the whole explanation part when he's with them. It's like he goes in speaks with them but we don't see what they talk about yeah it's kind of nice sometimes that's the problem with anime they'll sit there and the explanation lady comes up and it's just like really and then it just becomes all gobbledygook and contradicts everything that they were <laughs> they were doing before so i thought that was very refreshing so that's it for me man um you, 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 all right uh so bro you raised a lot of uh the points i would have i would have raised too um i can't say there's a lot i disliked about this movie i i guess um seeing um very little of some of my favorite characters is probably one of my minor minor i mean minuscule yeah, mini, let, let me let me explain minuscule minuscule complaints but other than that for a two-hour movie a lot went on in this movie so they really didn't have time to really delve on any of the minor characters but um in the epilogue which i i really adored because i i you know they could have they could have finished the movie and not even had one if they they chose to, but I'm glad they did. I thought the 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 epilogue hit the nail right on the head. Um, I would have liked to see what became of some of my favorite characters, but again, not much time for it. I mean, it was an epilogue that was like three minutes. So, um, you know, if anything, uh, that's my only complaint I could really say. Um, other than that, I, I love what they did with the characters when they were on screen. Uh, you know, Saji was uh, dedicated to Louise. He he stepped up and went to go volunteer for the for for the. Uh, for the engineers working in space, um, you had uh, Patrick, where he had a pretty much the female relationship and his relationship with uh, Kati. But um, it was cool, you know. You thought he was gonna finally die, and then he just gets thrown out the mech. <laughs> and that's the scene I probably laughed the hardest. Um, seeing Graham die was was tough because I always thought that he was kind of indestructible too. But he gave his life up for a good cause, man. He 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 paved. What's it? Uh, he turned the he helped to turn the tide. So Setsuna could get yeah, inside. The thing the, is, yeah. is, with his character, you can't go any further with it. He, he was. He and became that was the thing. It's he like became senpai in the end, man. He's he, a warrior. Yeah. And they're they're in a situation where they wanted peace. Yeah. I mean, he's he's. He's not a, he, he's not a person meant for peace. So he went, it's like he he, he went from he went from rival to mass man to senpai all throughout the course of the series. He I was don't know about he was kind of he was kind of sitting the senpai at the end, and he was telling him to you know wake up and 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 all that stuff, and he was he was going to hold the fort until he got back, and then uh, when Setsuna got per, back, perhaps right? to awaken awaken and be a trailblazer <laughs> and be a trailblazer. Really, these, these are. <laughs> These are shocking, shocking revelations that you're making now. I mean, it, it's also uh, Tiaria seeing him be able to jump from um, clone to clone, and to see him still having clones in the in in the future in the epilogue. Yeah, did, anybody one get a, by. did anybody get the uh, Dunby feel when he's on like Setsuna's shoulder? Well, Setsuna's there. I'm like, oh my wait God. a second. I'm waiting for uh, we'll see a few wings and. <laughs> 
a little nod to Dunbarn right there when you see a little helper Tiaria helping out Setsuna inside the inside of the L's uh mother um mother spear. And um no, it, it was just so much fun. Um I thought that the other Gundam pilots might bite it too, but it looks like they didn't, which is cool. Uh, uh, oh, what's what's that? They didn't. They, I mean, they, they, they didn't. They, they didn't. Yeah, yeah. pretty much. Well, I, I thought I, I for a moment I thought that um, Lockon was gonna bite it. That's, uh, that's but, called you know, drama. It, that's true. That's true. Um, Lockon having two horrors was awesome. One to control the bits, and I guess the other one to pilot the uh, the suit while he aimed. Which is, you know, the pretty nice. Uh, an orange and a blue haro, and then uh, the fact that both uh, Alleluia and uh, Pyrrhus, they both pilot the uh, the Gundam together in tandem. You know, I guess both because of their their psycho brainwaves, they, you know, it just helps to benefit them piloting uh, his his Gundam together. Was was a nice touch too, and um, you know, just overall the plot was fast paced. Uh, a lot of things went down, and it was nice to see all the little characters come up. It was great to see Andre die. <laughs> I was wa- I was watching because uh, unlike the reviewer from A and N, I'm wa- I'm running down my checklist of all the characters that should be showing up in this. And when he finally showed up, it's like, all right, here we go, sacrificial lamb, and showing up it happened. I was like, awesome. There you go. It doesn't make up for the for the for the pure garbage that you that you performed in season two, but you know whatever. But um, no, overall, I love the movie. I th- I thought it was a a lot of fun and. I'll feel a guarantee. Hey man, I'll pass it back to Chris. How, how could I? How could I respond to 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 that guarantee and and all of that incessant talk of of Saji Crossroad? There you go, man. I knew you wanted it. <laughs> You're welcome. Yes, I I, I want to hear that talk of Saji Crossroad so much. <laughs> oh, I have to say this was the worst double O ever since double O. Oh, I knew it. No. It's true. No, um. You know, I went into this movie with uh, quite a bit of anticipation because, you know, unlike all of the haters, I liked the entire show, both mm-hmm. seasons. You know, not bashing one or retroactively claiming that one is great while bashing another part of the show, just for <laughs> sake of bashing the other part of the show. So, you know, my expectations were met, I think, because even in two hours, movie manages to have a lot of moments for small characters. Perfect example, you know, a guy who didn't have much of a role throughout the TV show, but has a moment here, uh, Commander Kim. Yeah, yeah. From from the former HRO, you know, he has a moment for his death where he's, uh, you know, telling a lackey that, you know, he spent his whole life thinking about his career and... Uh, now he wants to follow the example of his friend Sergey, who he kind of sold out in the TV show. Oh yeah, he, so he sure did. A loss and increase his rank, and now he wanted to do something good and helpful, and he did. So I felt that that, even though they could have ignored that guy completely, it gave a little bit of closure for his character. Um, I like that uh, was this guy's name Masuda was it? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, the the reporter, the photographer yeah. was. What was his name? I forgot. I think it was. I think, I think it was Masuda. Yeah. Guy with the, the fact Afro. that he was still hanging around, and now he's still a reporter, you know, and he's there on the scene with the oh, first yeah. encounters of the elves. So that was a nice little touch. Um, the little things here and there with Saji that uh, showed that yes, he had learned his lesson from season two, and he stopped being a little whiny bitch who <laughs> was only concerned about his own life, and he could see the bigger picture. Uh, you know, basically, the movie as a whole, as I said, is the summation of the Aeolia plan, mm-hmm. and it gives you that that last stage of you know humanity coming together as he wanted to meet aliens. Although he probably would have preferred them to have met in peace first, but you know, it shit happens. Of course. So, a um, couple of things I did like that, unlike most movies where there's an alien invasion, you know how the 
the Earth government is always like ridiculously incompetent. Mm-hmm. You know, here that wasn't the case. You had this sort of uh, Hillary Clinton-looking president. Nice. Who you, you could tell was sort of a peacenik, but when it came down to the time of we, we got to start, you know, defending ourselves, she met the challenge and she put uh, she put Katie in charge. Yep. You know, who pretty much is their best officer, and she managed everything as well as she could, but they were just up against an enemy that had capabilities they just could not match. I mean, how can you stop an enemy that it doesn't get tired, it doesn't, um, doesn't really die, it just keeps coming and coming in more numbers, and it can take your things and absorb them and become your mobile suits to attack you with. Exactly. It's sort of like a, like a zombie onslaught. How do you stop an enemy that doesn't stop and will instead take your guys and use them against you, yeah. take your things and use them against you. So you really get, as I mentioned earlier, that, that sense of impending annihilation of you know this giant moon-like ship approaching the Earth, and they're at the final defense line, and the best that they can do isn't good enough. And even Celestial Being is barely able to, uh, to get by because now they're yep. kind of poor, and they have the sort of like... Uh, ghetto double o riser that sadly gets destroyed <laughs> yeah yeah that was kind of sad they they have like um dynamis showing up for like one scene doing something and then never being seen again you know they they couldn't develop the advanced gunnams that they probably would have wanted to had they had more money because now wong is dead and she was one of their main sponsors right so they could only basically develop the very nice gundam for setsuna um one thing i noticed it's sort of uh I don't know if it's deliberate, but it seems like it's a callback to Shar's counterattack. That the very opening scene is some characters talking about a Gundam. In this case, uh, Linda and Ian, mm-hmm. and you see a brief flash of the incomplete new Gundam and EU mm-hmm. NEW Gundam <laughs> it, it, with, it, before it, the opening credits. Mm-hmm. Pretty much exactly like it was Shar's counterattack. It was a definite nod to it. I'm pretty yeah. sure. And you've got the main character starting off with a different mobile suit. Mm-hmm. In this case, a ghetto-repaired version of his old one before he can upgrade to the new NEW one that he's been waiting for. That is funny. One thing that uh, came up a lot of complaints fans have had about is this guy, uh, Descartes Shaman, the innovator who mm-hmm. works for the Federation as the pilot of the ginormous mobile armor Gatalaza. Right. Because the initial previews for this movie didn't really show the aliens at all and they really pegged him as sort of being like a major antagonist right and he turned out to not be that so what did you guys think of him were you uh you think he was okay were you did you have that feeling were you disappointed by his character um not really because it looked like um you know with the fact that you know there's the 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 knowledge of the innovators that it would make sense that the that the military would start using these people and and it once again, it looks like kind of a nod to what they used to do with new types. You know, yeah. they kind of give them that special reign, and you know, there's parts of the military that are really involved and, and really take these people as like what they're going to do as as kind of gospel or, or or really trust in their stuff. He was a little. Well, I get the impression that they weren't treating this guy too well. Yeah, but I mean, <laughs> and probably weren't too hot on the idea of innovators. Mm-hmm. But I, I think it was more of that know your enemy type of thing, and. Um, yeah, I, keep I your friends close and your enemies closer. closer. Pretty much, and yeah, I, I guess it was a little annoying because in the end, he really didn't turn out to really do much, uh, and really didn't turn out to really, you know, become that big of a um, 
a big of a uh, a, a part of our of this overall story. But I could see where people would get a little, um, you know, get a little mad, especially if they saw him and thought, you know, he was going to be the antagonist. But then it's, on the flip side, it's you know going to be the aliens. But in the end, they always did say even before this movie came out, that there was going to be, the, you know, the major thing was going to be dealing with aliens. So right. even the fact... But that, not initially. The the initial yeah. previews that also had, like, different designs for the Gundams, they were showing off this guy, like, he was going to be, yeah. you know, the big the big bad, and he ends, ended up not being that. I mean, yeah, the guy, the guy was a dick, but I kind of felt bad for him because yeah. in his second battle, you know, he's doing pretty well, smashing all this stuff up. But then his mothership gets destroyed, so he's got no place to go back to. And then he gets overwhelmed and sucked in by the L's, like literally a minute before backup arrives. Yeah, yeah. that was uh, it was it was pretty unfortunate for him. I mean, yeah, yeah, he was a a, a hoity-toity racist, but uh, <laughs> yeah, he did, he did and, think of himself. Well, and he, I get the impression that he had this chip on his shoulder because of the way he was being treated, and yeah. I think that his character was supposed to serve more as a symbol of the fact that now innovators are starting to naturally emerge Mm -hmm. and he was the first um naturally emerging innovator to be recognized by veda and of course the federation wants to get a control of that that is true so i think that's the purpose his character was supposed to serve because as we see later on in the epilogue 50 years later innovators make up a quarter of the population so it has to start somewhere and they wanted to show, I think, look, it's not just Setsuna who's a real innovator. Here's another one. Yeah. And, and we never know, too, when they did the, the, the first previews of the movie, maybe there was going to be a more expansive part for him in the movie. But as they started writing it and, and kind of doing it out, they just kind of went back to, you know, kind of reducing it. So um, I don't know if I'd assume that because, you know, it's a pretty common tactic in trailers to do, you know, deceptive things or bait yeah. and switch. On that, too. That's a very common tactic in trailers. On top of that, that trailer came out probably about a year before the movie did, so it was, the movie was probably in you know pre-production. If anything, they're probably just starting to be animated, and you know these scenes in the trailer are just mock-ups of scenes that they might have thought they were going to go with at the time. I honestly, um, I, I he looked like a character that you thought would play a bigger role, but maybe that was just uh, was it you know bait and a bait and switch just to make you think that he was going to be an antagonist just just because how he looked. You look at him and you see he looks like an angry young man. <laughs> <laughs> and he looks like um he looks like the perfect person who would you know be who would turn on on the good guys and you know in a moment of weakness but that's what you would expect yeah, exactly that's what you would expect in a regular Gundam story exactly. and i think that was sort of a red herring of no this nice. you know in any other in any other story yeah this guy would be the big mm-hmm. bad but we're not doing that and i'm totally cool with so that so let it bother me. yep uh, another thing i liked was the expansiveness of the geography you know yeah. When have you ever seen in Gundam, I'm not counting F90 here because that's just a manga, when right. have you ever seen Gundams fighting enemies with Mars in the background? Yeah. Yeah, that is that's, true. Yeah. That was when cool. do you ever see Jupiter at all? You know, you never see deep space that far in anywhere. You never do. Then it was nice to see. It was nice to see that actually, you know, acknowledged and, and, and shown in, in and the, the other the other thing that's that nice too is the fact that they they kind of balanced out the technology too with with your point of showing with Mars and all that where you know okay we have the ability to build these mobile suits and all this why wouldn't we have the ability to at least get to Mars in a pretty quick base um, you know the propulsion and all this right where with with you know sometimes with Gundam it seems like everything else is still kind of regressed except for mobile suit technology it's like the mobile suit technology is way up here but yet it still takes them forever to get to places and and they've never really gone out 
further than Jupiter or, or go out there often at all. Hell, they didn't even have so. that many colonies in space at the time of the Double O movie, too. I mean, just a few handful, yeah. you know. They were still building them at that time, so. But it was also good that the Federation has advanced technology, and even using fake drives, you know, these, a lot of these pilots in their uh, Jinx 4s were able to put up a good fight against the Eld, you know, and they had uh, the Gatalaza, they had all of these ships that were upgraded, they had uh, Graham Aker and his Soul Braves squad, and might as well give a mention to him, I like that... Um, he got a moment to shine in this movie, and yep. even though he didn't have too many scenes, you know, he really did sort of um, steal those scenes, and oh, yeah. you see that he's come full circle, and, you know, he went from being sort of the intriguing ace who became ridiculously obsessed with the enemy that had robbed him of his friends yeah. and was very bitter about that to someone who is accepting of his place in the world and realizing that he was focusing on the wrong enemy. Yep. Exactly. It's you know, that brief scene where he's talking to Felt, mm -hmm. and that sort of comes up. And then at the end, uh, just before his death, when he sort of like snaps, sets him back to his senses and says like, hey, you know, it's great that you want to, uh, you know, end this, but you have to live to get to that point. Yep. It was like the new adventures of old Graham. It was, it was what I really uh, took um, side of besides that scene is how um, he was back to having camaraderie with his, his fellow wingmates again. He had a squadron, you know. Well, he had being, wingmates, that, you know, because yeah. in, in season two, he was like, Mr. I don't work yeah, with anyone. I don't exactly. care with anyone. He was, he was so, he was so, off. yeah, he closed himself off because of the deaths of his comrades in season one. And he just became the, the, the one man show. And it was nice to see him go back to being the squadron leader and, and, and looking out for his people. And, you know, he was, you know, he was mourning the deaths of his people as they were dying at that final battle. And he's saying, you know, my, I, I give you an order not to die. And it was it was good to see old Graham back in fine form, man. And you I, can't follow orders. Yeah. <laughs> I order you not to die, and, you're, and you, you disobeyed my orders. Damn but, you. Yeah, that was, it, was, it, was, it was definitely good to see old Graham back. Another character that uh, sort of had a moment here and there that I think it deserves some mention is uh, Lock-On number two. And oh, yeah. uh, there's some scenes and some dialogue of his that, you know, I get the impression that um, he's become sort of like, after all the stuff that happened with Anu in season two, that he's become sort of like a very fatalistic guy, and he kind of seems like a guy who has nothing left to live for. Right. And he's now he's kind of become a guy who's kind of closed himself off. Did you guys get that impression? Yeah. Yeah. Especially when um, he, he, mentions, I mean, he mentions about her a couple of times, and you kind of get that thing where it's like that was pretty much his life. And since that she's not there anymore, that he's just going to do what he needs to do. And even his fighting style, he seemed a lot more aggressive. Um, you know, he was always more aggressive than uh, Lock On Number One. Yeah. But he, uh, in this one, he just seemed a lot more uh, really willing to put his butt on the line and, and really willing to get his hands dirty and 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 fighting and 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 doing whatever it took. And um, yeah, it, it, he he definitely seemed like the one person that. It, it seemed like um, the, the stuff in season two really, it's still kind of lingering with him. Like, it's all changed and all affected all of them, but it seems like with him, he's really not gotten over her death. Yeah. And uh, nothing, nothing's really going to, um, to help him do that, probably. So. I mean, I'm, I'm personally no shipper, but uh, I was wondering if there was going to be a scene where uh, he either caught sight of the, uh, the, the girl that looks a lot like Anu uh, that works for the government. Or, or they were going to have some kind of, you know, fate or chance encounter 
with each other somewhere in the movie, but um, it never came to pass. But you know, it was it was cool to see her actually have several her scenes in the movie too. She can't keep them going, so yeah. I mean, that's it's good that they didn't do that. Yeah, that's true. It, it's weird that she would have a twin just like he did, <laughs> and yet they live completely different lives. But um, yeah, well, we we saw at the end of season two like how many of these innovades there are running around out there. Oh, yeah. So he, he might run into on another one. It looks like, or somewhere, somewhere along the line. But that that is a story yet untold. But I, I think it's time for fan. Probably oh, will remain untold. I'm about, <laughs> time for me to get to Brighton. So to close up my thoughts, um, you know, as I said before, the battles were very well animated. Uh, some really nice animation, especially when the Double O Quanta uh, penetrates uh, the alien moon, and you just see some really like bizarre out there imagery the likes of which we've never had in Gundam before yep. yeah yeah and some of it just looks like i would say like beautiful almost yeah. like just how you know weird it all looks yeah the, the, well, the, like the, the shifting colors and all of these weird things yeah. that are going on when when sets in the mind merges with the um uh, with the ELS um mother mother spear um and he sees the uh i guess their plight and it, you know him and uh area they they both learn of what they went through to get to this point you know not a barely a word is uttered in that scene yet you get the whole you get you get the whole story and i thought that was a a, a brilliant move of the movie to not really have the explanation lady as as neil yeah. likes to say come in there and explain everything you know, like this magical voice just comes out of nowhere there was no need for it and the visuals just told the whole story well that and that. i did like that you know the communication between Setsuna and the elves was entirely based on images, and they yes. didn't they didn't speak exactly because that would have that would have made them like more human like like oh now we can understand you and we speak your language no they it was entirely through images which is why at the end to and this is something that a lot of people have complained about the thing about the sphere turning into a flower mm-hmm. yeah. when it's pretty obvious if you've been paying attention to the TV show and to the movie they. They don't. There's no subtlety about it. The flower, that specific flower in that shape, is in Setsuna's mind what he views as peace. Yeah. So of course, if they're reading his mind and they want to find some way to communicate to humans their peaceful intentions, what else do they have to go by in context? Exactly. What they've read in his mind, and since in his mind that flower is a symbol of peace, then of course they're going to assume that shape since they're shapeshifters. How else can they make their intentions known? So people who complain about that all being like, oh, it's a dumb hip thing, and no, you just, you're an idiot. You don't get what's going on. Yeah. I, I, how, how can people miss that? I mean, seriously. <laughs> well, they, they, showed, they showed the flower in the jar. Yeah, like all yeah they've shown the that flower, but even but in yeah. the TV show, that's even flower, in openings of the TV shows as well. No, I know, but yeah. I'm saying even in the movie, there's sh- it's it's shown all the way up to that point. Oh yeah, and it's yeah. like, how are you not? I mean, that's what I'm saying. There's no subtlety here. It's yeah. very clear. Mm-hmm. There is no subtlety at all about the symbolism of that flower. So to complain about that to me just seems a little silly. Um, other general thoughts: the the soundtrack in this movie is great, also by Kenji Kawai. Very nice mix of new themes but also some redone versions of old songs uh, there's a great song on the score called battle of strangers that runs about 10 to 12 minutes yep. as does that same scene in the movie you know one of the very long battles in the middle and it's sort of a medley of a mix of new and old songs great music yeah, yeah. it sure is love that soundtrack or score i should say yeah. Uh, as far as the ending, you know, I like that they had this epilogue showing that, you know, peace did last, you know, and now humanity is exploring deep space on its own 50 years later. Um, as for the final part of the epilogue, I think it's fitting that it's Setsuna and Marina coming back together because if you recall, 
you know, the end of the first season is, you know, him writing a letter to her of all of his thoughts, but they're separated. The right. end of the second season is her writing a letter to him of her thoughts, but they're separated. And now the ending of the movie is the two of them are together. And, you know, it's, it's somewhat bittersweet in that it's now she's a blind old woman and he's, you know, a frozen in time metal man. Yeah. <laughs> For, forever 24 or something like that. How old is he at, at this point? Like Something like that. Yeah. yeah. About 24 years old. So, But I think that was probably the, the best way to end it. As far as the things I didn't like, which is not too much, um, mm-hmm. movie was a little bit preachy at times. Like they just kept driving the point like, yes, we must understand each other. We must believe in sense. We blah, blah. It's like, okay, I get the point. You don't have to keep having all of the characters say this yeah. over and over and over again. Him. You know, um, also there was this, uh, the character Mina Carmine, the, the hot, busty astrophysicist who's hanging oh, yeah. out with Billy. Mm-hmm. Her introduction is, is rather, rather sudden and out there, and, you know, she kind of serves a function as exposition lady. Right. Explaining a bunch of stuff, but it's just a little weird that, it, you know, if you're into the fan service aspect of it, that, like, she is so gaga over Billy who's still gaga over Sumeragi. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and she and, knows it. <laughs> and, like, she's literally throwing herself on him, and he still just can't get the clue. It's, God, are you just that, are you just that clueless? You're, you're, you're obsessed about one bussy woman, and you've got another one who's throwing herself at you and is about ready to rape you. Exactly. <laughs> that's, an, that's, that's an anime, um, that's a re- repeating trend in anime I could do without. Stop pining over what you can't have and just take in your hand what's very obviously in front. How about you take the non-drunk? <laughs> How about you go with that, Billy? Just, 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 just take what, take, take what God's given you right there. <laughs> But I also uh, think in closing we should mention that little tiny part of the epilogue that flashes all the way back to Aeolia. Yeah. And and he's talking to uh, a green-haired man named E.A. Ray, which, oh. like, who of course is played by the original actor of Amuro. Of course. So it's like, wow, they just couldn't make the connection any more obvious. Ham-fisted. Because, of course, this is the guy who uh, his DNA becomes the template for ribbons. Yeah. So, you know, I like that we finally see Aeolia talking about something and uh, this is farther back because he has hair and he's sort of like encapsulating his philosophy of you know why is it he's distrustful of people and the course that he wants humanity to take i think there's a little important scene in like wrapping up laying out his vision exactly and what it is that he wanted to accomplish which in the end did happen yeah played out exactly as he predicted well i don't think it played out like he did it, it the end was but I, I think he wanted to do without all the yeah. all the battles yeah. and wars that they had <laughs> maybe so yeah, they, they they still got to the same result but not down the exact path that he was probably hoping for yeah so before we close this out any additional last minute comments i thought the movie was excellent i hope it comes out here on blu-ray uh sometime in the future uh as well as dvd which we'll see it coming but chances are to be on dvd and not blu-ray but it, it looked gorgeous in the What's that? Ben and I were talking about. It's oh, not gonna happen. damn! Yeah. Well, even, even though we give them free publicity of it, uh, it's not gonna happen. Well, uh, I look forward to owning it in the in the very near future. And um, Ben, I hurry up and bring it out here. Um, not really much more I could say. I mean, I, I think right. if I'm gonna do it on the MHQ thing. I'd probably give it maybe like four and a half stars. So that's about it. So, so bro. Oh uh, man, I'm kind of torn. Um. 
Four and a half sounds about right. Uh, yeah, four and a half. I'd say four and a half is good. Okay. Uh, I gave it four and a half in my view, so I guess we're pretty much in agreement on that. <laughs> since since we're all fan wankers for Double O, right? There you go. Yeah, we will go. not be on. We will not revisit this in the anime spoiler. We're we're serious since um, we're serious since MD guys. <laughs> there you go. You heard it here first. <laughs> all right. Well, with that, that wraps up this uh, segment and uh, probably ran a little bit longer than we would have expected. But like I said at the beginning, that this is probably the last time we're going to be talking about Double O in such a detailed fashion. And uh, hopefully we'll never have to hear about King Arthur again, ever. Until he gets his own show. (laughs) I'll keep dreaming. If you want to keep, if you want to keep, you want to keep dreaming these, these, uh, these silly ideas, you... You uh, keep on keeping on. So we'll be right back. You're listening to Gundam at HQ. I know you. And I know when you got something brewing. I know it. What I got brewing? You what I got brewing, right? You tell me. You done lost your Gundam mind. This episode of Gundam is brought to you by GoDaddy.com. Right now they're offering special discounts to our listeners. Just simply go to GoDaddy.com and use the code GUN8 for 10% off any order not already discounted. GUN9 for $5 off purchases that are $30 or more on any items not already discounted. .com domain names are as low as $749 if you use the code GUN10. And last but not least, code 20H1 for 20% off hosting plans. For more information, you can go to Gundam.net and click on the GoDaddy link in the Sponsors and Special Offers section. Don't wait too long. The domain name you've always wanted might be claimed by someone else before you know it. Register with GoDaddy.com today. From a time long ago, in a basement far away, there comes a time when there's only one hero to protect us all from the trolls, warranted and unwarranted. Is it him? Against Gundam Sea Destiny. It appears destiny is firmly on my side. What? There stands a man who alone will defend the honor of said show for all to enjoy. You're something that shouldn't have been allowed to exist, boy! His name rings out and is like curses to those evil doers. If people learned of your existence, they would want to be just as you are! That name? Jamon025, Defender of Destiny! You shouldn't blame me! This is mankind's dream! Mankind's desire! Mankind's destiny! Coming this fall on WSBR, your home for DVR hits. Wow, this is pretty cool. Spill it! Or we take you out in the alley and we knock it out of you. You needed the money, so you killed her. That's not true, goddammit!
This segment of Gundam at MAHQ is sponsored by Champ Sports. Welcome back, everybody, to Gundam at MAHQ. In this next segment, um, which was uh, given to us from an idea in the topic submission thread by our loyal listener, Jabman025, um, he uh, asks, what is our favorite Diabolical Bastards? Is, is that it? Diabol- puppet Masters. Diabolical Puppet Masters. He asks us who, which ones um, are of note in I, various mecha series. I see uh, Solbro is Larry King in it on this one. <laughs> uh, yeah, what are we doing here? Hey, uh, hey, I remember who submitted it. Where am I? <laughs> am I wearing pants? Do I need pants? Can they see the pants on the camera? <laughs> Many, many Can you pro- see my pants? <laughs> <laughs> many props to Jabman for um, submitting this subject, and it's an oldie but goodie. We, um, but um, I turn it over. I turn the mic over to uh, uh, let's say Neo. Let's see if uh, Neo has one of his uh, favorite puppet masters on deck. Go for it. Well, I mean, the most obvious one would be uh, old Master Paptimus. <laughs> I mean, there's there's Paptimus Shiraco from Zeta Gun. Master Paptimus. That guy was just, I mean, God, he, he played everybody. And, and the fact that he had these, these women just, like, fawning over him and doing just all his dirty deeds. Oh, and, yeah. And, you know, succumbing to his will. I mean, he, he, when he met poor Rekla and, and saw how screwed up she was, and he mm-hmm. just played into it, and the next thing you know, she's uh, betraying the AU and fighting alongside of him and getting in cat fights with Sarah about... You know who's who's Master Captain is his favorite, and it's like, oh man! Then you know all the crap he was doing with uh, Jami Toff, and uh, you know one of my favorite scenes is when um, you know after him, Jami Toff and uh, uh, Haman are, are meeting, and there's like an explosion. He shoots Jami Toff, and he's like, he goes run it out, and I forget who comes up. I think it's Sarah or somebody comes up to, or Reko, I believe, and they're like, oh, what's going on? He's like. Uh, Chami Toss is dead. Uh, we gotta go. <laughs> but um, I mean, this guy. I mean, he, he talk about Jedi mind tricks. Ooh. I mean, this guy. This guy messed with everybody's head, and um, you know. But I don't know. You guys' pl- thoughts of Master Paptimus? He was playing from the Book of Palpatine, <laughs> oh. but better. <laughs> but um, Chris, any thoughts on um, on our friend um, Paptimus? He's the guy who, who almost won, but uh, yeah. couldn't quite seal the deal because, you know, why is it <clears throat> that villains everywhere in anime, in movies, live-action TV shows, American, Japanese, whatever, why do they always feel the need to talk to you so much rather than just kill you? Yeah, exactly. You know, in, in episode 50, when they're having that confrontation in the theater of him, Haman, Shar, Camille, why didn't he just shoot Camille instantly? It would have saved his own life. He could have shot Shar. He could have, like, well, Haman would probably dodge, but still, he could have gotten rid of Camille and Shar. Yeah. <laughs> why, do you always have, why do you always have to sermonize to the heroes about how much more awesome you are than them and then let them get away? Yeah. That's true. You raise a very good point. It could have been. It could have been a wrap in the first five minutes of episode fifty. Or even before that, you know, when Shaw ran away and he abandoned his busted up Hyakushiki, mm-hmm. um, you know, uh, Soroka could have done like Hulk smash, Hulk bash on the Hyakushiki and like totally tear it up, <laughs> so that if Shaw did get away, he'd come back to a monster that's in total pieces and there's nothing for him to use. Yeah, yeah it, it does. It it is. That is kind of a uh, that is kind of a th- uh, a plot device that we see all the time with these stupid 
villains. It's like, okay, you're about to beat everybody, but yet first you have to give a 20-minute a uh, speech on how, how great and how awesome and you are. And Just like know. how there are several times throughout Zeta when, like, Jared had Camille cornered. Yeah. And, and he's like, he's just, he could just kill him. And he's like, no, I want to enjoy this. <laughs> it's like, yeah, but then you let Camille get away, and then he kills someone else that you care for, which then you would have to add to your revenge list. So, But anyway, Soroko... That guy, I got to give him credit for being such a manipulator because, um, you know, we've talked a lot about the way he manipulates women, mm-hmm. but uh, he just manipulates everyone. Yeah. You know, he's, he makes plays for power. Uh, perfect example when, um, when they're attacking uh, the moon, I think it's uh, Von Braun they're attacking, and he holds back his forces and he lets Jamit, not Jamitov, he lets Jamaican do all the work for him. Oh, yeah. And, and he goes in with his ship and lands to take the credit. And then when Jamaican slaps him, he's like, how dare you? Wah, 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 wah. He gives this like conniving little sneaky answer. Of, I forgot what exactly it was, but it gets him out of that situation. And he was very good at playing people against each other. Yeah. Even, um, he even manipulated Yuzan to do his bidding. A, a wild card like that. <laughs> a wild animal like that. Dude, that was like he tamed a wild beast like Yuzan. That's, that's, that's even more props in his direction. Um, but... Uh, any 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 other um any other moments of note with Sirocco? Definitely uh the fact that he's he is a quick thinker because when uh when Sarah blasts into the meeting room and mm-hmm. there's all that confusion and he instantly takes the opportunity to assassinate Jamatov <clears throat> and blame it on Haman. Yeah. That like, was you awesome. knew that he, you knew he was going to do that anyway at some point, but mm-hmm. you know, he saw an opportunity to do it right now and he's like, "Well, shit, let me go for it." And he did. <laughs> Yeah, wasted no time so quickly, which he should have done in the last episode, as you brought up earlier. <laughs> he should have been a quick thinker when it really counted. Of don't don't let the kid with the Gundam run around. Exactly, <laughs> alive. Especially this. It's the number one lesson that all these villains need to learn: don't let the Gundam kid run around alive. Yeah. <laughs> as soon as you see him outside the suit, that's the perfect time to take him. <laughs> but. Uh, that's all I got to say about Sirocco. Oh, all I know Definitely is he's a dastardly bastard. All I know is he's the man that brought the Alice Band back before David Beckham ruined it. So, <laughs> but no, he was definitely a pimp um, in 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 all regards, uh, other than slipping up with by taking advantage of uh, the main protagonist. So at the, when they were at their most vulnerable, other than that, he was really a compelling person to watch. And you saw him rise throughout Zeta Gundam, which is really cool because he started out as just some. As you you know, when he first gets introduced, people consider him just some snot-nosed punk from uh from from the Jupiter fleet who you know just just come back to the Earth sphere to uh to uh to participate in what the Titans are doing, and you know he just manipulates everybody throughout the course of the show till he gets to the point of power where he wants to be, and it's 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 a, definitely a journey to watch in in his respect, and Pathemus is definitely an originator when it comes to seeing a mad a, a magnificent uh, puppet master type bastard uh. uh come uh developed throughout a show so we've got paptimus as uh the the first uh suggestion uh chris who would be your um your pick for your first uh choice for puppet master well i'll call dibs on haman and talk about her later mm-hmm. but uh instead right now i'm going to talk about someone who neo would definitely agree with oh yeah paul von oberstein from legend of the galactic heroes oh jeez, <laughs> that guy the the man that nobody liked but the only person that liked it was that dog <laughs> the man, the man who was loved by no one except the dog. Yeah. Oh God, that guy was. But I mean, uh, 
Go ahead, Chris. Oberstein, uh, you know, briefly, he, he was uh, a character. He was uh, in the Galactic Empire, and he was working for an incompetent guy. And he basically abandoned that guy and nearly uh, got cashiered out of, out of the force for that. Mm-hmm. But he recognized that Reinhard von Lohengram was a better guy to tie his fortunes to. So he offered himself to Reinhard, and Reinhard vouched for him, and he became Reinhard's uh, advisor. The interesting thing about um, Oberstein is that, and he's talked about this a few times throughout the show, is that he has artificial eyes. And he makes a point of saying that uh, in the old days of the Empire, when there was like uh, genetic inferiority law, people like him would have been killed at birth for being inferior. But now he can exist, and he has these artificial eyes. And the thing is, they're gray, so they make him look very, very cold. In addition to his voice, uh, he's played by Kaneto Shiozawa, who also played Makuve in the original series. What? He also played a lot of like smooth, kind of like cool guys like that. He was BD in the first two Megazones. Right. Yeah. You know, so he played a lot of these like slick, kind of like villainous type guys. And he's not a villain here, but his voice just really adds to this guy being like really cold and emotionless and almost like a robot. And that's the way he thinks. And all of his plans, he always thinks about tactically what's best. And to the frustration of other people, he hardly ever factors in human considerations like emotions. Yeah. Wow. They they mean absolutely nothing to him. He is very he's very much like a machine. Wow. Mr. Spock. <laughs> no. It's been Spock has emotions has, and... has emotional considerations. This guy, perfect example in season one, and uh Neo knows I'm talking about mm-hmm. when they're having um this rebellion with uh, Prince Braunschweig wow. and uh, this guy gets pissed that his home planet has rebelled against him, and he sends uh, was it like nuclear missiles to go devastate the surface of his own planet. Goodness. Yeah. And Reinhard wants to stop it, but Overstein says, no, you should let the massacre happen so that people can see what a monster this guy is. Right. Reinhard feels very uncomfortable about that. And of course, so does Kierkegaard. But then Oberstein, uh, he sneakily manipulates some things and lets it happen Damn. and makes sure that he gets it on tape like on video satellite surveillance of, look, this guy obliterated his own planet because he was angry at them. Look what a monster he is. And even though it's a stain that um, you know marks the beginning of the end of Reinhardt and Kierkegaard's relationship and is something that stays with him to the end of the series, you know, it did work. Yeah. Right. Oberstein was right. It did, it did solidify the support of the public against Braunschweig, and it did eventually lead to them defeating him and eventually leading to Reinhard later on becoming the Kaiser. So even though this guy was very cold and calculated in the way he manipulated everything, he was right a lot of the time. Jeez. Yeah, he, but, he was... He but, was the, oh, I'm sorry. But the fact that he was emotionless was also sometimes a liability for him yeah. Yeah. because he didn't consider these things in his plotting. And, and it, didn't, it didn't adhere him to all the other guys that Reinhard was surrounding himself with. Because most of these guys were all kind of the cast-offs of the, you know, of the Galactic Empire. Mm-hmm. People that, you know, um, were because of their thinking or, or, or the things that they did. And it just, you know, you always had this situation, especially with, um, uh, what was it, uh, uh, Ruenthal and... Um, uh, Mittermeier. Mittermeier. They mm-hmm. always had the issue with it. You know, it's just like, we, we believe in what Reinhardt's doing, but if we could just get rid of Oberstein... 
and you know and, and yet the the most intriguing thing about him is this cold emotionless man the man who loves no one but was loved by a dog in the end sacrificed himself to save reinhard yeah who was dying anyway wow i mean he did all that he did the necessary stuff that reinhard needed but he was willing to have every it didn't bother him that people looked down upon him or or you know thought he was just an emotionless bastard yeah, he was a very Machiavellian character, but not in the way that's commonly misinterpreted. You know, because yeah. people just think that Machiavellian means evil. Right. No, he was a very tactical sort of guy. He thought long term about you know, yeah. if you want if you want to do things to win in the shortest way possible, the least amount of time possible, with the least sacrifices to get you to accomplish your goal, so that you can do these things. This is how you got to do it. Yeah. He was very results oriented. Almost so he surgical. definitely, I would say, is a master manipulator. Surgical in his thoughts, almost like a, well, like a master chess player in a sense, um, with the way I guess he uh, approaches things and just looks at things analytically. Uh, that's pretty cool. He, he sounds like a, he sounds like a very interesting character, especially. Um, you would you would know that if you ever watched the show. Well, you are funny. <laughs> I'm just I'm just saying. <laughs> you are true. That's very true. Uh, I will, I, will, I need to get on that. I, I actually I have that in my possession now, so I need to. Uh, I need to get on top of that. But um, anything else to add about uh, about this this character, y'all? Anything? Yeah. All right. Well, um, I've got a character that I'm not sure if you guys have been exposed to or not, but um, Emma doesn't count. Oh, of course, Emma does not count. Well, damn, that, there goes my choice. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Um, there's a character you guys may not be too familiar with, or you might be. Um, in this in the series called uh, Argento Soma, uh, there's a character in the show called Mr. X, who manipulates the main character into doing pretty much his bidding um pretty much setting him up to take revenge on a creature that uh that gets a a creature called frank who is kind of a frankenstein frank. yeah it's um <laughs> basically the main character his name is rio soma and uh he is a research Meet my student. monster frank <laughs> well it's a, it, the frank is an homage to uh frankenstein oh, and the guy and, yeah it's yeah, just yeah, funny yeah <laughs> And he, he's, he's battling this monster named Frank. And the, the monster is comprised of parts of aliens that have been invading and uh, attacking humankind over the last couple of years. And he's just a bit body parts from those aliens put together. And um, he, it, the monster, when he awakens, is the sole reason why his um, the main character's girlfriend dies. Because both the main character and his girlfriend are, are students at this at this, we'll just say space college for the time being, but uh, they're involved in an experiment with this uh, alien the hybrid robot. Space. Yeah, exactly. But um, she dies as a result of his awakening because she gets crushed under some rubble when he, um, he he berserks out when he when he first comes to life. And the main character is almost mortally wounded. When the main character wakes up, he's in the hospital and he's talking to this mysterious man who tells him, "I can give you a second sh- shot at life and get revenge on the creature that uh, took your 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 love away from you." And uh, Rio, you know, pretty much makes a, a deal with the devil, who's Mr. X, and throughout the series he manipulates uh, Rio Soma into into joining this group called Funeral, who has captured Frank and is using it as a living weapon. So he's got to fight alongside the creature he hates the most while um, trying to do the bidding of Mr. X, who put him in Funeral and um, rehabilitated his body and and did all that stuff for him. And you find out later that Mr. X has a connection to Frank as the, as the third act comes along and. There's all sorts of stuff going on, and it sounds weird from the outset, but if you watch the show, it all makes sense. But uh, Mr. X is a real awesome character. I love the fact that he's voiced by, um, in English, he's voiced by Richard Cancino, who's done a lot of uh, 
noticeable notable uh, anime voices like uh, he did the voice of Kenshin and Roroni Kenshin and he also did the voice of uh, uh, Legato Blue Summers in Trigon and he's just got this real smooth delivery and it's always a treat to hear him double person's voice in any anime show I watch so um, Mr. X that's my first vote for uh, Magnificent Puppet Master but uh, Andy um, I'll, I'll, if anything since you, have you guys ever ever saw Argento Soma at all? No. Nope. Oh, well, and comments. Well, no. damn. <laughs> no. Well, I'll turn the mic back over to Neo with his next selection. Who else? Trace Kushinada. Oh, oh, oh. The the smoothest puppet master there is. <laughs> I mean, God would approve of the steps we're taking. Yeah, I mean, just 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 the crap that's coming out of his mouth, Ooh. and it's like, you know what, this guy, I I know I know he's he's just wanting world domination, but damn. Mm-hmm. There's something believable about him, and 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 in and in a lot of ways, he's <laughs> he's just like Oberstein. Um, you know, he what he's saying it is true, and you know, and and especially at the end when you know the the whole embodiment of trying to be, you know, having humanity see this. The only path to pacifism is see, having humanity experience the horrors of war, and um, you know, his whole thing against the mobile dolls and you know how can you really learn from war if you if you're sitting back and uh you know using a joystick to uh to play war <laughs> basically uh but yeah i mean he manipulates everybody i mean he he uh, another guy that just uh manipulates women like crazy Ooh. um he's got you know lady on up and down the the whole thing with splitting her. personalities for splitting, him. Yeah, splitting personalities for him. A woman who's clearly insane, yet and he he can make her sane and do what he. <laughs> and somebody that started off wow. seemed like they were sane, Wu Fei, and ends up mm-hmm. becoming insane, man, all the way to the end. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the guy never really heals from it. Wow. <laughs> Not even I, an endless waltz, man. He's still scarred from that grab. I mean, the, his his big balls moment is that time when, uh, you know, Wu Fei. It's very. Early in the series, where Wufei like um, catches up to his yacht, and he like Trey's is just sitting in sitting in his lounge, having a glass of brandy, reading a book. Like he stands up with his sword, and it's just like, whoa, okay. Wufei takes the challenge, gets beat in the sword match, and <laughs> Trey says, "It was a good fight. We should do it again." It's just like, like it's like Wufei was trying to box a god. <laughs> And the crap, the the crap when um, he tricked all the uh, what is it, Marshal Noventa and the whole like hierarchy of the, the of the military into that thing. Please take our shuttle because mm-hmm. we, it's it's super fast and stuff. And he knew it was it's safe and also has an Oz target planted on it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, just throughout the. Oops, whole... I didn't mean to say that. <laughs> <laughs> Never mind that last part. Hell, yeah. He manipulated Hero too, right? When Dude, he, he manipulated him. Dude, he even manipulated Hero, giving him his own suit at the yeah. time. <laughs> and he purposely gave him the wrong suit. Here, take this evil-looking, <laughs> take this evil-looking gun. Do, do with it what you will. What he talked him into using? Just the don't feel crazy. He talked that man into using the bad guy suit. I mean, that's just <laughs> the evil-looking dragon, no. the dragon suit. I mean, wow, dude, that guy was magnificent for certain, man. I... <laughs> I mean, he played everybody. Here, take this certified evil Gundam that will drive you nuts. Okay. Well, right over. I should accept it. <laughs> I'll kill you. And and and, and then and then Trace Kush Renata. Fight it and then fight my former lieutenant and then just give it to him. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, this guy was just—he was too much, and and it, and it's a shame that we have a. 
we have a point in that show where um, you know we don't see him for a while because it would have been nice to see what other masterful crap he would have done. But what are uh, some of you guys' thoughts on Trace? Man, go ahead, Chris. Yeah, he's he's a skillful manipulator, and you know, even though he is in the sense an antagonist, he's sort of also not because his goal is you know to achieve world peace, but his methods are different, and despite the things that he does, a lot of the things that he says are right. Yeah. Yep. You know, and he definitely has a point as as uh as was mentioned about the mobile dolls of, you know, how can how can you stop war if you make it so easy and, and painless and bloodless of you just send a bunch of remote controlled robots to go kill people for you. Exactly. You don't feel the consequences of that. You don't feel the enormity of responsibility of that. Because it's as simple as the push of a button. Which might also be a commentary on our modern warfare where, you know, we can just launch tons of missiles, not even nuclear ones, just regular conventional weaponry and annihilate entire cities or whatever without having to send anybody in harm's way. Oh, yeah. Uh, Drones, predator drones. I mean, same thing. Yeah, we've got predator drones that are sort of, you know, a very early step on that. that We could just have predator drones armed to the teeth that can go and blow up anything and they don't complain they just do what they're told yeah they always follow orders unless they get back although the predator drones, <laughs> the predator drones they do have human pilots though but who are just not in yeah in danger yeah you know they're remote controlling them from somewhere they're not like some sort of artificial intelligence thing yet yeah. somebody so, oh so, bro. Well, no, i guess that, that turns it over to me yeah. uh, <laughs> i mean i no, saw what i had to say you guys you guys you guys raise a very good point uh Trey's is the man that could not only talk the talk but walk the walk, as, as seen in that scene with the drones where um, he fought against them, you know, effortless, effortlessly in the Leo of all suits, a grunt suit. He took them all on and beat them. Oh, you mean the coffin, the, the coffin, Leo coffin, the freaking grunt coffin, and he took them on without breaking a sweat. When he stood up out that suit and his cape was flowing in the wind. Yeah, only because he, he had the, 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 the plot armor. Exactly. The yeah. main character plot armor. You, you, could, you could get into a, a paper airplane <laughs> in Gundam Wing as long as you're an important character. <laughs> and, you know, those shots will hit you and do nothing. Yeah, it was like it, he didn't take a scratch after that. And uh, maybe he had the plot armor on. That's fine. But still, he did it in the worst suit possible. Yeah, they, like, the, they, like the one girl that had the uh, duo's girlfriend that also had plot armor when she was, like, escaping in a Leo or something. <laughs> <laughs> and she was getting chased by bubble dolls. It's like they blew off every arm and leg, mm-hmm. and she didn't blow up until, you know, she got to Leo. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> so. But um, the the shining moment for me um, for Trey's is at the end because you know he was a he was a manip- manipulative dude, but he had he pretty much had the whole universe figured out. He had the whole the whole whole Gundam wing he had figured out throughout the whole course of the series. And at the end, before he allows Wu Fei to destroy him, <laughs> making himself a sacrificial lamb as he had made many other many other characters in order to get to the point where they got to. You know he had, he had brought up the fact that he recalled every name of every person who died under yeah, his command. And it's like <laughs> wow, it made Wu Fei pee himself. Oh, it's pretty gangster. He's just like, he's like, Lady Yun, how many people have we lost today? <laughs> and he just starts going like a, a roll call. Yeah, but even like, before oh. that, when, when, even before that, when Wu Fei's like doing his Gundam babbling of, do you know how many people have died because of you? And, and Trace is like, yes, 99,538. Lady Yun, what are today's totals? <laughs> yeah. Wu Fei's like, what? <laughs> 
That man had an answer for everything. And then, he, then, he, everything. then he said something like, you know, give the, give their families my uh, my my best wishes. And it's yep. just like, oh my god, are you serious? No, he said what he said was uh, what, what he said was um, go over the names with me later when I get back. Yeah, oh, that's right. Oh my gosh, <laughs> dude! If there was a Super Robot Wars game with him and Lelouch in it, I would love to see them just play chess. <laughs> I just love to see those two play chess uh, and see how that game would go down because it would it would probably be a draw, it probably would. <laughs> so. But no, Trey's is is probably the perfect example of all master manipulators and, and puppet just masters. A, just a shame he got wasted. We can't take oh. him to another universe. Put that man in double O, and I mean, you, you'd have a you'd have a crazy situation. <laughs> so, but um, that, that that's it for me for yeah Trey's. exchange. Ex- Search and replace Alejandro with uh, Trey. Yeah, but in, in Double O, you had Alejandro, who was the the low rent Trey's. Oh yeah. my God, he was such a poor replacement for Trey's. He, he's not even in the. He's not even within he, line of sight. He had of that the man. fanciness. <laughs> he had the fanciness, but not the strategy. None yeah. of the skill. <laughs> but um, Chris, who is your next candidate for uh, magnificent bastard or magnificent puppeteer? I, I called uh, dibs on Haman, so uh, might as well mention her now. There you go. You know she's she's such a schemer because you know she's so young, but she's managed to take control of you know the Z, the Neo Zeon. You know she's um, <clears throat> clearly the mastermind, and Maneva is just a puppet. Right. And you know she just has she just has a perfect idea of what she wants and how she's going to get it, and she'll work with anyone and use anyone to further her goals, even if it means yeah. helping them a little bit. And the thing is, what's interesting about her is, she can betray you, as she did to the Titans, mm-hmm. but then still make you want to work with her anyway, only <laughs> to betray you again. Like that, that whole scene where, um, where she's meeting with Jamatov, and they're just treating insults back at each other, and then she drops the, she threatens him with the poisoned earrings. Right. You know, it was really good. And, um, you know, clearly, it, by the end of, of Zeta the TV series, the clear-cut winner of that of that uh, conflict was her because, you know, she kept her forces in reserve as we saw in Double Zeta, and uh, you know she just played the Aug and the Titans against each other and let them exhaust each other. You know, and the Aug wiped out the Titans, but they were almost wiped at themselves, and it left the perfect situation for her to come in and just take control. Unfortunately, Double Zeta just dropped the ball by having. Every single person in front, uh, underneath her, be completely incompetent. You know, you would think that she. And they do show some of these in Double Zeta, like guys who are veterans of the One Year War, right. and are still bubble suit pilots. But there's not that many of them. Most of them are just like a bunch of dumb kids, like mm-hmm. retards. You know, like like every single pilot who was under Mashima <laughs> God, at the beginning wow. of the series. This guy's Incl- ridiculous. Including Glemmy, who, you know, he's just a wannabe manipulator and doesn't deserve to be on this list. <laughs> That's true. You know, and in Double Zeta for a while, she's winning, you know. She pulls out the threat of a colony drop and asks for side three. The Federation gives it to her, and she drops the colony anyway, and they don't even care. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, she pretty much almost wins, except for, you know, one, having a bunch of incompetence underneath her. Right. And two, developing this strange obsession with Judo. Judo, yeah. yeah. And then in the end, you know, she kills herself instead of running away. I mean, she could have easily come back in the future with yet another incarnation of Neo Zeon instead of letting Char and Full Frontal take that mantle from her. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah, because clearly she had people who wanted to fight for her. 
Well, that's uh, we can we can blame Tamino on that. <laughs> yeah. So thanks a lot, Tamino. You took, you know, one of the best villains that Gundam had, and and you ruined her. Flushed her right down the toilet, the anime toilet. Oh. <laughs> and and what's nice about it too is, um, you know, this is one of these things where, especially when she comes about in the mid '80s, this is a woman yeah. that's like this. Usually, these traits that we're talking about and stuff during that time, most of these uh, villain, pretty, pretty much all of them. Are going to be or antagonists are going to be men, and, mm-hmm. it, and it's very nice to see that. And she's also the double threat because not only is she a very skilled manipulator and political leader, but she's also a very skilled pilot. Yeah, she's their best pilot. <laughs> you know, <laughs> if you remember at the end of Zeta, uh, neither Char nor Camille could even scratch her. Yeah. Yep, she's like almost a, a perfect blend of um, what's it? A perfect blend of uh, Giren, uh, Kashiria, and uh, a little bit of Lala thrown in with the whole pilot and skill thing. She had, you know, well, had a little bit of both. I don't think was a great pilot. I mean, I mean, her her piloting skills. I mean, you would just take like all the all the best and put it in there. But yeah, I mean, I would kind of if you were use that comparison, I would say she's sort of like a mix of Cassilia and Char. Yeah, that makes more sense. Early Char, early Char, yeah, early when he was a little <laughs> bit more, you know, he was a little bit more aggressive. Yeah, even Char feared her, which is which is amazing. Because, you know, usually... You well, know, he was so chill. He was so chill all through Zeta until he sees... That she shows up and he just totally flies off the handle. She makes him- <laughs> I mean, so much so that he has to apologize to everybody in the Basically on like. his knees and groveling before her and she's enjoying every moment of it. Yeah. <laughs> and the and thing it, is, it's like... It, <laughs> even though she's such a manipulator and, and mm-hmm. she is a villain both in, you know... The thing about thing in Zeta is she she starts off as sort of like a poisonous ally yeah, that you yeah. can't really trust. It's not until at the end of Zeta and then in Double Zeta she's a clear cut villain. But even then, throughout all that time, she still is a very likable character yeah. despite mm-hmm. being so manipulative. Oh yeah, and it's, it's she has a, a lot of charisma. That she does. She's sort of like the female counter to Sirocco. Mm-hmm. I think you're right about that. I think she is. A, she's 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 definitely the other side of that coin. Because she inspires, as we've seen, Double Zeta fanatical devotion. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Among her people well her pilots not not necessarily the people but you know she has a lot of like people who are just madly devoted to her and you know i never really thought of it but it she's sort she sort of is a female counter to Cyril. so yeah wow yeah. We're, we're making discoveries in this conversation <laughs> well there you go awesome yeah she's a she's a heck of a it's a heck of a character and it is too bad that it, she just kind of meets that weird end of um you know nobody's gonna catch me i'll just fly into uh an asteroid because like you stated chris i mean she could have easily escaped and reorganized her forces and come back years later and probably would have done what she was trying to do hey we always we, we could have had mobile suit gundam haman's counterattack there you exactly. go hey we always got a new translation <laughs> yeah where she she's like you know what even though we're winning let's just run away and never come back let's go i guess let's just go chill back in deep space in this crappy asteroid <laughs> I, I can see the writing on the wall it's time to go yeah <laughs> Even though I'm winning, I'm just going to leave. <laughs> and my losses have been at a minimal, and, and both the Titans and the A year are, like, catastrophic. But I'm just going to leave. I've lost ten mobile suits, uh, three of them to mechanical breakdowns, and, uh, you know, these guys are losing thousands of suits and people at a time. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, it didn't maybe make she, too much she, sense. Maybe she looked at who's left and saw Mashamar, and it's like, you know what? I don't think I, I, I don't think these guys are going to cut it. They're not <laughs> what I got planned next. They're not ready yet. <laughs> she could have had the foresight. You know what? These, these guys are kind of green behind the ears. It's like I gave him that rose th- three weeks ago, and he got it. Uh, he got, he got it, it laminated. He got it laminated and is wearing it all the time. <laughs> Let's put this wine back in the cellar. It needs a few years. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Wow. 
Wow. Okay. Good. Good, good for Herman in the in the movie series. Good for her. <laughs> we got any 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 anything else to add, y'all? No. All right. Well, uh, I'm gonna bring up a a, a new blood that um, I mentioned a little bit earlier. Uh, in Double O, we have uh, Ribbons Allmark, who um, I give credit to because in most of season one, he stayed he stayed the quiet little helper to Alejandro till the last quiet episode. little <laughs> quiet little sexy boy helper. The, the quiet little quiet little um man boy man servant man servant to uh, Alejandro's uh, fancy boy. And then at the right moment, he rised up. I'm so glad I have you with me, Ribbons, because if it wasn't for you, I wouldn't be able to do all this dastardly stuff. And, and then Ribbons and, is like, oh, by the way, you're a clown. You've served your purpose. Oh, my God. I'll take over from here. <laughs> he, he successfully pulled the Starscream when Starscream couldn't even do it. <laughs> Betrayed his master and left him to get murked. And then um, just took over like he couldn't miss a beat. And then he um he, he established his fancy crew and um got his got his uh plan <laughs> you know fancy boys his fancy boy team got got, got to dance <laughs> with uh got to dance with a cross desk dressing tiara oh, yeah. <laughs> kind of you manipulated him and <laughs> unfortunately uh though the, his his team of fancy boys and girls they 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 should have put back in the cellar for a few more years <laughs> yeah they or they, they had mashima disease what what he should have done is. Uh, since he had Ali working for him anyway, he should have made like a clone army of Ali's. There you oh, go. God. That, that would have got the job that? done. <laughs> Just imagine, you know, ten of these maniacs running around. <laughs> oh my god! With Gundams. <laughs> With Gundams. <laughs> How much damage they would have they would have caused? They would Lockon would have gone crazy. Damn. I mean, he, and, and the thing is, you got to give him credit. In season two, he's able to keep Ali under strain. Oh, and it's like you know, this guy is just. You know, this guy's a wild card, and uh, you, you know, in the same way that we talked about Sirocco and uh, Yazan. I mean, he was able to tie, tame the beast to a certain point to use him for what he needed to use him for. Exactly. And uh, oh, yeah. well, Ali doesn't require much taming; he just wants to destroy stuff. As long as you give him the opportunity to do yeah. that, he'll do whatever you want. <laughs> it's like it's, it's like Ribbons was feeding him uh, the best steaks ever. <laughs> but you're but you're true though. His 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 fancy pants. Uh, crew there they just uh they, they should have they should have been left in the incubator a little bit longer <laughs> a little premature <laughs> they're preemies oh man man but yeah uh that's that's definitely my pick right there uh any 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 anything left to add about old ribbons Nah, i think i pretty much said what i needed to i think we've said Throughout the last three years, everything we need to say about ribbons. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, props to him being voiced by Armor's original voice actor, and um, uh, the fact that he piloted uh, his, uh, the fact that he was the original O Gundam O pilot, and um, the yeah. fact that he fought Setsuna. RX seventy eight dash two. RX seventy eight dash two. He fought Setsuna in that old relic. I'm gonna get you. <laughs> in Setsuna's old throwback suit, he, you know, they went toe to toe and. You know, he went out like a champ. You know, he was he was a he was a bit of a, a controlling maniac, but you know, he he, he, he <laughs> did what he was supposed to do. Bit <laughs> <laughs> with with the with the whole like uh, god complex. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just a little bit, a little bit. <laughs> but um, that's that's my next candidate. Um, Neo, you got um any other ones to uh, play? Well, one that we'd have to. I think Chris mentioned him earlier was uh, Lelouch. Oh yes, the Britannia. I mean, <laughs> sitting there. Uh, masterfully manipulating all those idiot 11s to do his bidding so he could become emperor of the Britannia <laughs> thinking that oh we want to we want I want to um you know keep you 
break you help you break away from Britannia. It's like no, no, no. I'm just gonna use this my stepping stone to to kill my dad and uh, you know any other um, any other people within my family that messed with me. And uh, and the thing know. is, even though he was using them, like he pointed out, he would have gotten them what they wanted. Oh yeah, exactly. But they were all a bunch of ungrateful bastards. Yep. Exactly. And morons. Even when all. even when they got their freedom at the end. I mean, they're they're just complaining about it, and it's like, are you serious? I mean, <laughs> it's like, okay, yeah, he used you to, to for his own will and stuff like that, but you you got to free Japan. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> got exactly what more what do you, you want, want out of it? <laughs> and then you you're really gonna hold a grudge because of this, and it's just like, oh, really? I mean, we can be honest and say that Lelouch did do some dastardly things and sacrifice some people, but I mean, they okay. would have never they would have never achieved their goal. Yeah. If it wasn't for the decisions he made, and granted they weren't the most ideal situation, but did they think they were going to come out of a war or a, a conflict like that without losing With anyone? A major superpower. Yeah, like it's like superpower. And, 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 and using and using junk robots. Yeah, yeah. And, and when it comes down to it, their deaths were not in vain. Their deaths were not in vain. And I'm, I'm not trying to be callous of those characters because some of those characters I really like. But you know, Lelouch was playing a, 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 the most important chess game of his life. <laughs> hey, if if you want to, if you want the high, if you want to get, you know, the big prize, you got to take the high stakes gamble. Yeah, pretty much. And nothing ventured, nothing gained. Exactly right. And, and in the end, it, what what makes it funny is the people that really complained about him, mm -hmm. their losses weren't really that major. <laughs> I mean, it's like, and the ones who complained about him benefited the most because of the things he did. did. Yeah, yeah, exactly. In grades, I mean, the only person that really probably got that was Callan. In now, the, who, the, was the, that, the who was the who is the idiot that um that married Valeria? Uh, oh, Oki. Oki, that guy. Yeah. It's like, really? You're going to complain? It's like, you're some stupid. You were some dumb, Teacher? dumb hick that, at, <laughs> at the Afro beginning of this thing. Aww. And, you know. You ended up with this, you know, like. Hot ass broad, boy. Busty ebony princess. Busting the ebony princess. Oh. You're like the prime minister of the freaking country now. Oh. It's like, really? You're complaining? You lucky son of a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> and even, uh, even, even the other guy, uh, Tamaki or whatever. The, mm. the, 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 the Minister of Janitorial yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Services. I mean, he's sitting there bitching. It's like, dude, any other person would have had you killed already because <laughs> you're too stupid. Man. <laughs> but yeah, so, Chris. Right. Uh, I would mention another, uh, another recent one, mm -hmm. uh, Grace O'Connor from Macross Frontier. Oh, yeah. yeah. Because for a good half of the series... Mm -hmm. You know, she has everyone fooled, the characters and us, the audience, into thinking that she's just this, you know, agent, hot, <laughs> innocent, um, you know, long-suffering manager of, you know, uppity Cheryl Gnome, who's just trying to do her job, when in fact she's like the most evil bitch of space. Oh, yeah. God, she was diabolical, <laughs> man. <laughs> and in fact, and, she kept coming back. <laughs> and, you know, you had... Um, you had this guy, Leon, who thought that he was a master manipulator, but he was just a low-rent piece of crap, and he mm -hmm. thought he could outplay her, and yet she still outsmarted him. Yep. Because yeah. he was just small-time. Oh, yeah, he was complete small fry. Jesus, man. And, and hey, she almost won, but then she, she forgot, man, you know, when you got, like, you know, pop princesses and, and angry Valkyrie pilots and, and a Macross. That's a winning combination. There you yeah. go. <laughs> and she hadn't watched the other shows. The she, was, she was aware of the irony of, of using Daryl as the song to motivate um, <laughs> the Vajra to start smashing down the U.S. Spacey forces, but she was not aware of just the broader thing of 
<laughs> they're gonna win because they got a macross and a pop princess <laughs> that too and, and and even though you had a macross and a pop princess mm-hmm. you didn't have angry valkyrie pilots yeah. not at all and and your and your macross was very evil looking and you didn't ha- and you didn't have the uh the senpai sacrifice i.e uh michael <laughs> oh. Now I get it. Oh, I'm dead. All she all she had was the menu at Red Lobster, backing yeah. her up. <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> and then they turned on her too. Oh, exactly. <laughs> so, oh, so this man. I think this proves the theorem that insanity and mm-hmm. big giant lasers is not enough. No, it never is. <laughs> you, you need a little bit more than just the insanity and and the big lasers. There you go. Exactly. You need. You need, as a, as these trolls on the internet like to say, heart and soul. <laughs> there you go. That's it for me. All right. Well, I, the only other one I can think of myself is um, someone that we adore greatly. Um, we like to talk about him as the baddest man in the dress, shot weapon. Oh. From um, our battler Dunbine, for those who don't know. Um, like that show is full of manipulators. That, that whole entire show is manipulators. <laughs> I mean, I'm sorry that he he stands out though, because you know it's just it's just that typical dude of you know uh, he was beaten around in, in Middle Earth and all that, and now he's like this great he's this great guy and and, uh, not Middle and yet Earth, he was a Earth. fraud. Yeah, he was completely a fraud. Dude, he was the Steve Jobs of um of of of. <laughs> yeah, but Steve Jobs had talent. Shot weapon was nothing. But I mean, he, he helped him. He's like shot weapon is like like Steve Ballmer. Oh <laughs> damn! Just along for the ride. A lot of, lot of, lot of bluster, but no talent. Damn, damn, Steve Ballmer, man. But I mean, he helped to develop the Orb Atlas, didn't he? And he, yeah. he brought him to, uh, to do home. Yeah, but it was, it was that dude, that lackey of his. He was the real. Oh, remember, yeah. what was yeah, that guy's true. name? I forget his name. I, I, yeah, but that guy was the real genius. Shot was just like the marketer. Wow, just just an angry. He was just Aborig- the PR. He was just the PR man. He was just an angry Aborigine from Australia. He became an ang- angry skeleton, floating skeleton guy. Oh man, hey, that's right. Shot freaking. He's the only character the only that transitioned. Show. Oh, only to end up in of, uh, the little Fiaria. Only to end up in anime toilet. Yeah. <laughs> Damn, shot Went from the penthouse to the outhouse. Right? Man. <laughs> the penthouse done by, and the outhouse tails and eel by some of Do do. Dude, you come a long way, baby. <laughs> but yeah, shot. You're right, though. That series they have a ton of manipulators in there. But 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 shot made it the longest. So. <laughs> Sadly, he didn't and look go. What, and look what it got him. Oh yeah, he, he <laughs> got him. Um, got him in the uh, the hall of shame. But um, shot weapon. That guy. Any uh, honorable mentions before we round the segment out? I got I got one. We definitely got to mention this guy's a master manipulator. Yoran Palesen. Oh yeah! Oh, from the Pales of Files. Yep. Oh snap! Yep. I mean, I mean, he, even when he shows up in other volumes of movies, he's manipulative. But in Pales and Files, he's just a genius because, you know, he starts off by playing this part of like almost a drooling invalid, <laughs> and he makes this guy uh, Walkham think like, like, oh, I've unraveled the master plan, and you know, mm. I'm gonna continue your research, and I'm gonna win everything, and you know, I'm gonna f- reap the the fruits of your labor and I'm so awesome I'm patting myself on the back prematurely and then in the end it's like no man you're just a chump I played you oh man I played you hard like, I even I'm even gonna have your number two guy kill you and come work for me that's how awesome I am who, let me get out of this wheelchair the best it? thing of that is mm-hmm. sorry go ahead I said like, who is this guy Kaiser Sosei 
yeah, kind of. You know, the the best thing is when um, when at the end of, of the series when Palesin shows up standing, walking around, not nice. like babbling and screaming in full military uniform with his trademark sunglasses. Wow. And Wacom's like, what? What's going on? But no, I should have won. I had the files. And he's like, no, they were all fake. You're a chump. Ouch. <laughs> That's always the best. Damn, burn that guy. That is always the best when that happens to people. It's like, damn, you, you completely got punked on that one. <laughs> yep. So definitely uh, honorable mention to uh, to Palesin for being such a, a dastardly bastard. Very nice. Very nice. Any um any any other uh, honorable mentions to any other characters? Mm-hmm. I'm sure there's a whole bunch, bunch that that yeah. we're forgetting. Mm-hmm. But. Yeah. But we don't have we don't have all the time to keep going into them. No, and that's what the forums for. There you go, <laughs> man. So if you you guys out there have any suggestions for um, master puppeteers that uh, we should mention, make sure to uh, to post your responses in the Mecha Talk. Oh, one Great. last one last oh. honorable mention before we go. Go ahead, uh, and that's to be for uh, Jabman. And I'll just I'll just say oh. the guy's name, Durandal. Oh man, that was a master manipulator there. Yeah, he was voiced so. by the pimp himself. Yeah, but <laughs> continue. All right. Well, uh, if anything, yeah, feel free to voice your opinions in the thread on mechatalk.net. And um, that brings a close to this segment. We'll be back with more Gundam at MAHQ in just a moment. Numbchucked you, you don't even realize. In a world where vivid flashbacks can strike without warning. In a world where a submissive adolescent must pilot a giant humanoid robot to save humanity. In the same world where a two-legged quadruped can run leisurely at the speed of sound with the aid of jewelry. Only one podcast can discuss this with their sanity intact. And this is Not That Podcast. www.ssapodcast.com The Ass Backwards Anime Podcast. Oh wait, I was supposed to use that voice in the beginning. Uh, Let's go again. I'm tired of other anime podcasts being such a star fest. My plan was perfect, but there was one thing I overlooked. One factor I failed to calculate. He's a dumbass. I hate Narutards. Oh my god, he's wet. And I'm sick of the giant Moe monster wreaking havoc in my anime city. So what's my solution? Make a better podcast than everyone else. Well, at least I try anyway. Join me, Josh Dunham, as I talk about my ideas and opinions about current Japanese music, games, and anime. You can find my weekly podcast at www.animation.blogspot.com. That's A-N-I-M-E-S-H-O-N. I review the new shows and manga coming out of Japan, as well as ye old goodies. So check me out. I'm only a Google search away at Animation. A-N-I-M-E-S-H-O-N They blew up my car! They blew up my car! They blew up my car! Goddamn shame.
my goddamn car and all you got to say is the goddamn shame? No car, no money, you're having a bad day. That's it. I'm through with you, man. I'm calling some of my homies, I'm getting a loan, and I'm stepping the fuck off. Hey everybody, welcome back to Gundam at MHQ. So, marks the end of episode 70, getting uh, further and further into our senile years, and uh, soon we'll be in a mobile home. <laughs> a mobile suit home. Mobile suit home. Podcasting about uh, mobile diapers and all sorts of wonderful things. Word, man. The good old days. Yes. When things had heart and soul. <laughs> and it worked about just selling stuff to make toys and, and sell them to kids. Exactly. So anyway, in this episode, we took a brief look at the horrible Gundam 00 movie, which was the worst 00 since Code Geass. <laughs> and then uh, we had a listener-submitted topic from Japan of our favorite, favorite puppet masters. Mm-hmm. Although not the literal puppet master from Ghost in the Shell. The figurative puppet masters who pull the strings behind the scenes and manipulate things. And that wraps up uh, pretty much everything we had in store for this episode. Uh, Just a quick announcement. Uh, A few days after this episode comes out, watch for the second episode of Chaos Theater. Where we'll have our first special guest and uh, an update on the things that we've been doing since the first episode, as well as the Chaos Theater mailbag. We also have a blog now for Chaos Theater, which is Chaos Theater, E-R, not R-E, as people keep referring to us. That's chaostheater.blogspot.com. But you don't have to remember that because you can easily access it from MHQ. We've updated the menu. You'll notice it now says podcasts and has direct links to both the Gundam site as well as Chaos Theater. Nice. So watch for that and enjoy. Any uh, closing comments or news or announcements, gentlemen? Support the sponsors, especially the new one, Champs. It's Super Bowl time. Get your jerseys and stuff. Buy it now. The more money you spend, the more money we get. This is how it works. If you you truly love us, you will buy our products. Thank you. (laughs) Well, let's let's make a... let's, Let's not just be totally Gordon Gecko about no. this. Let's make it clear that the, the, the money we make from the sponsors goes towards things like travel expenses, yeah, no, domain exactly. registration, uh, equipment. It's not just, uh, you know, for bitches and blow. No, it's not. And I, I hope that's not the way it came off, but I guess it did. So hey, It's one week to the Super Bowl. <laughs> make your move, guys. Yes, there's but, great deals. There you go. Enjoy them. But um, all I, I just wanted to point out, um, if you go to Gundam.net, um, right now there's a, uh, a spotlight on two members from the Gundam Nation, as I like to call our listener base. Um, we've got um, a video that uh, our friend Eggman from uh, 12 Volt Revolt, the, the podcast, uh, had started up a couple months ago. Um, he put in, as we mentioned in the, um, the Double O movie uh, <laughs> uh, review, he, he made an editorial on Saji Crossroad called Saji the Untold Story. You can find it posted, <laughs> you can find it posted in, the, um, in the post that's on the Gundam.net website. Uh, also, um, in that same post, our friend uh, Seraphic, he, he did something very creative. He took vocal quotes from the show and matched them up with scenes from different animes and TV shows and, and put it into uh, a tribute spoof called Gundam Tribute Spoof, which is also on um, YouTube. And it's very funny, especially at the opening where you hear uh, Neo doing uh, my man Sar- Sar- Argyle's voice about crying in the Gundam. You see it yet, Neo? No. Oh my god, you lose it. But um it is very funny and it's up was, there. Wait, too. was that was that near or was wasn't it wasn't oh, it no, that was who you. did that? That was Chris. I am so sorry, that was Chris. 
My God, I'm terrible. I, but, I, um, I think if you, instead of you explaining, yes, what it was it is, me. Just yeah. have, just have them go. Have people watch the video? <laughs> it was very much Chris doing now, that. Doing that point. It was hilarious. <laughs> this guy is sitting here trying to, he's explaining the whole thing, oh. getting it all wrong. I'm completely. I, I gotta say, wrong. normally, normally the the concept of of my voice being matched to the video of Cy Argyle mm -hmm. should be blasphemous and offensive, but he did do a great job with it, and it's very amusing. It is. I, I so got, you get a pass this time. I got to give him props. And um, oh, don't you. you dare put my voice on Saudi. Hunt you down, I'll kill you. <laughs> kill you. That's true. Hey, we'll never, never do his voice. But um, no, um, Seraphic, that was a great job also. And um, if you guys want to check those out, just go to Gundam.net and look up that recent post uh, and uh, enjoy. And give the, let these guys know how, how good a job they both did. And um, other than that, um, always check out these websites. MAHQ.net, of course, the Mecha and Anime Headquarters. Gundam.net for um, episode info, liner notes, and links to our social networking sites. Um, you can find us on iTunes. And, of course, um, reach us by email by sending us messages to GundamMAHQ at gmail.com. And back to you, Chris. That is it for this episode of Gundam at MAHQ. Thank you for listening, and we'll be back next time. Huh? Hey, what's wrong with Ibuki? It looks like she had a late night. Aw, she looked so tired. <laughs> Ibuki, it's morning, rise and shine. Help! It's a heterodyne alert! Look out, Ibuki! An evil monster is terrorizing a bunch of preschoolers! Emergency alert! Emergency alert! Okay, you guys, let's go! Dygard, take off! Dun, 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 dun. Aha! There you are, Heterodyne! I've got you in my sights! Give me full energy for a punch, you guys! Dygard! Punch! Oh no! It blocked the punch! <laughs> you think a wimpy punch like that can stop me? In my universe, we eat giant robots for breakfast! We dunk them in our coffee! Oh no! He's gonna dunk us in his evil Heterodyne coffee! Quick, Ibuki, what should we do? I don't want to be part of some monster's balanced breakfast! What should we do? Hi. You angry? Angry? No! I'm not angry! I'm past being angry! If anyone says anything stupid to me today, I swear I'm just gonna... Would all of you leave me alone? Gundam at MHQ is a Shinjuku station in MHQ production. Animal proteins. Four to eight servings daily. Cow, pig, chicken, deer, fish for sport only. Fish meat is practically a vegetable. Friends, one to three is sufficient. Capitalism, God's way of determining who is smart and who is poor. Skim milk. Avoid it, sir. Physical fitness, honor, facial hair, living in the woods, rage, poise, property rights, frankness. Cut the bullshit. Crying. B.O. Cabins. Skim milk. That's right. It's on here twice. Avoid it. Masonry. Stillness. Torso. Intensity. Old wooden sailing ships. They're beautiful.